What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Kind of Funny X-Cast, your home for all things Xbox here at Kind of Funny. Of course, I'm one of your hosts, Snowbike Mike, and I am joined for the 22nd week, the finale of our 2020 run, the Rogue One, Mr. Gary Witta. Gary, how you feeling? How you looking today? I'm good. I'm feeling good, Mike. As you can see, I'm feeling festive. Happy holidays. I see you are as well. Happy holidays to you, the family, and of course, to all of our viewers. I'm feeling real festive, Gary. Look at you. I mean, you're festive all year round, Mike. You've always got, it's like, everyone's like in good cheer at Christmas, but like you're in good cheer all year round. You're like in a permanent state of, of mental Christmas that I quite, I quite, uh, quite um, envy. I able appreciate to do that. that. No, thanks, like, Gary. Most of us right. need that seasonal bump, but you just carry it around with you all year round. But no, it's, it's great. This is, this is the, like, the, for many of us, is the last kind of day of work. Uh, of the year and uh now we can uh, settle in and you know especially after the, this particular year you know everyone's had a tough time kick back play some video games try to chill out put the year behind us uh better times uh lie ahead i i hope it's that time gary is right it's the holidays it's time to spend it with your friends and family and of course this year it's a little bit different right we might be doing it virtually we might have to make it unique and fun to practice those good social distancing guidelines to make sure that we stopped the spread of COVID-19. We've done a really good job here at Kind of Funny, working from home, adjusting to the needs and the wants that we need from this team to ensure that everybody is safe. And we want to thank all of our viewers and listeners, of course, out there. It's been 22 incredible weeks as we look back. It wouldn't be possible without each and every one of you who tune in on the YouTube, who watch or listen over on the podcast services. Seriously, thank you all so much for the love and the support. And on behalf of myself, Gary Witta and Barry Courtney, Alana Pierce and the Kind of Funny crew, we wish you all a happy holiday. So we hope you play a bunch of video games and spend it with your friends and family. Speaking of Mike, I don't know if you uh, saw this, but talking about you know people staying in touch uh, over the holidays and just generally throughout the year and a year where that's been really difficult. I don't know if you saw Xbox put out a cool video today um, that, uh, on their Twitter feed. I retweeted it earlier, uh, but you got to just go to like, Xbox and check it out. Like a whole video about like it was like a grandson and a granddad who weren't able to see each other because of covid but they gave, i guess they gave me an xbox and like the, the like the, the the grandfather and the grandson were kind of playing video games together over voice chat and connecting it was just really sweet gary i'm so glad you brought that up because that is actually something that i got to watch today and it brought a lot of emotion it brought a lot of love and cheerfulness into my life as we look around right i haven't got to spend time with my family i haven't got to spend time down at kind of funny in the studio and really we rely on one another through gaming, through these online avenues to spend the time and be able to build these relationships still that we might have lost where I feel isolated all the time. And so I'm really happy and thankful for gaming. And I'm thankful that you brought that up because, you know, I love to start the show with some positivity and some fun. And that is actually one of two stories that I want to start off the show with. So let's jump right into it. Of course, Xbox launches Xbox Beyond Generations, a filmed experiment. This is coming from the Xbox Wire by Will Tuttle, and something I want to share with all of you to get us in the holiday spirits. Perhaps one of the greatest struggles older people face today is a lack of human connection, whether it's due to living far apart from family members or even a lack of close family, family and friends at all. Loneliness among our older generation is growing prob- is a growing problem worldwide. While it's no surprise that the virtual worlds of gaming have become places where gamers can build and maintain real-world relationships, these worlds can also provide a vital connection between older and younger family members in gaming. We believe the power of play to bring people together. 
Games are a source of joy, inspiration, and social connection, says head of Xbox, Phil Spencer. They have the power to bring us together, create empathy, and strengthen our social fabric. With Xbox Beyond Generations, our aim is to highlight the relationship building potential of modern games and to encourage younger people to start gaming with older family members. Gary, you talked about the video that you watched that Xbox put out, and it is really emotional. It's really powerful because I know you can identify with your child right now and probably with your family members as you grew up. And one that I really think about is me and my mom, my brother and my dad playing around and huddling around that N64 with Gauntlet Legends that I brought up before and a really special moment that we all, you know, shared together. And now in this day and age, I kind of lost that feeling, right? Mom and dad, they're not really into games. My little brother, he's not into games. I don't have that connection that we could share, but I really get to use it with my friends. Today, uh, with the COVID that we're living in, I'm able to share these connections with my friends and we're able to stay in touch, game together and share that power of play. Was this something that connected with you, Gary? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I thought the video was was very sweet and it felt very genuine. And it definitely speaks to an issue that is particularly true this year because, you know, everyone is in this, you know, isolated state. And, you know, we're talking about it a, le- a little bit. I think not enough. I think in the in the months and years to come, as we hopefully have heard, emerged from the pandemic, we'll start to start, we'll start to uh, count, you know, the the kind of the ancillary human cost of the pandemic, which is not just, you know, people uh, who suffered at the hands of the, the the virus directly, but, you know, people that suffered mental health issues or, you know, domestic abuse or being stuck, at, you know, all the things that from being stuck at home or people who are people who are afraid to go to the hospital because they don't want to get sick. And so, you know, they don't get something else treated. There's so many different other kind of surrounding things that, you know, the the, the COVID problem has created isolation being one of the you know, social isolation feeling cooped up feeling separated um you know we all know that kind of the, the the need for human connection is like one of the most basic you know human needs i think when this is all over you're going to see like an outbreak of like people hugging each other and wanting to be close to one another in a way that they haven't been able to for you know the better part of the last year um in terms of in terms of like video games as like a, as like a point of connectivity between different generations uh, just generally, like the pandemic aside, that's something that spoke to me. Like both my parents passed away, um, but you know, in the in, in, when they were still around, to be honest with you, I sometimes struggled to connect with both of my parents because they were just from a different generation, a different time, pre-video games. They never really kind of got what I did for a living. Like they were supportive of me, but like video games were like was just like some strange thing. And I just didn't have a lot. I just didn't really have a lot in common with either of them, to be quite honest with you. But when they would come out here to visit me. I remember the first time I we played Wii Sports together and like they got it, they understood it and we were bowling and playing tennis. And more recently with my dad, you know, we were playing, uh, like he's never going to play like Sea of Thieves or Halo or something that's like a bit more kind of like you know, hardcore video gamey. But like I got him into Overcooked and I got him into FIFA because, you know, there's basically simulations of things he understands, you know, soccer, cooking in a kitchen, like those are video games. That's actually one tip that I would give to you. If you're trying to get someone, especially an older person who's not particularly familiar with video games, to try a video game, get them into a game that is like some way a simulation or an amalgam of something they already understand. Like FIFA is an obvious one, right? Because you understand what soccer is. Well, this is that, but you're playing it. Um, and even overcooked, even though it's very abstracted, the idea of, okay, I got to get the ingredients and put them in the pot and then put that on the oven and then deliver it to the customers. Like you, everyone already understands that concept. It's just been gamified. So that to me is an easier way to onboard someone who isn't necessarily fluent in the language of video games because you're already halfway there because it's simulating something um, they understand. But what I, what I thought was great about 
what that Xbox video showed, and this is this is true because I saw it in my own experience with my with my own uh, mom and dad, is that it's one thing to like call up, you know, your 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 elderly father or grandparent or whatever on the phone and try to talk to them, but that can often be a struggle because again, you don't have a lot in common. You come from different generations, different times, and sometimes we've all been in that situation where like you're talking to like your your grand your grandma or your grandpa, and like you just don't have a lot to say to them because this is so you have so little in common with them. But what's nice about the video game thing, and this is what the Xbox video showed, is it gave them something to do together. It gave them something to talk about and discover together. Like, okay, granddad, I'm going to teach you how to drive this race car, right? And it, it just it just gave them a, it gave them a, a, a kind of a common activity to like doing it like just something as simple as like doing a jigsaw puzzle together but it's you know it's a video game and they were able to do it over you know the xbox voice connection and they could play together and this is one of the things that i learned from you know doing animal talking is you know mike that was a great way to bring people together through the metaverse through the medium of video games at a time when you know it was it was difficult for people you know to come together in in the real world so again generally i think what the pandemic has done and what this video this xbox uh, um, uh, piece of marketing they put out uh, this this week uh, really really demonstrates is something that we already gamers already know, but the pandemic has kind of brought into stark relief, which is that games, video games have this incredible power to bring people together. And I know that sounds like like spiel, but it's really really true. Like how many friends have you made, or how many friendships have you have you developed through? the medium of, of video games that, you know, without it, you never would have met any of those people. Like video games have been a blessing in my life in so many ways, socially, you know, in terms of my career, in terms of my hobbies, you know, for the better part of 40 years now. And I, I would be a different person uh, without them. So I'm incredibly grateful th for them. And I'm, and I'm glad that Microsoft is doing like, this is not necessarily out. They're not necessarily hardcore trying to sell Xboxes. They're just trying to put a bit of positivity out there into the world. And it was a really, it's one of those sweet, effective videos that, you know, if you've got like a beating heart in your chest, you know, it's, it's going to get to you. You're going to have a human reaction to it. Yeah. I love that human reaction. I think they really found it right there. And you said it well, right? This is kind of the icebreaker, right? The conversations that stem from playing video games together. Like you said, right? Hey, granddad, I'm going to teach you how to drive this car. And then it stemmed in like, Hey, when did you get your license? How did you learn right. how to drive? Hey, like, what did you and your friends do back in the day? And I, I really love that. And those are some of the moments, like you said, right? Like you can call your family, you can call your friends all the time and kind of just do that same cycle of, Hey, how you doing? What's your day going? Like, but I do like extending and elevating that conversation of like, Hey dad, like, what was it like back then? What were you doing? What did you guys do to pass the time? Because you see my passions in life. I want to know about your passions. And that's one here as the younger generation looking up and looking at the time I have with my family, with my grandparents, that's one of those that I really cherish those more in-depth conversations, getting to know them, right? Like, hey, where did you guys get married? Where was your honeymoon? Where was your first date? And then you say, wow, like these are things that I never got to ask my mom and dad. And I really enjoy getting to know more about them because yeah, they are my mom and dad and yeah, they are my family, but they are my friends, right? They're there through thick and thin. And I want to know just as much about them as they do about me. And I love that Xbox shined a light on this. I think it's really important. And one for me, of course, me being kind of young here, I get to look at you, Gary, and say, hey, man, it's like, is this something for you when you watch this video? Do you identify this with your daughter of going, hey, like, I am a gamer. And when it's 20 years down the road and my daughter's in her mid-20s to 30s and she asked me to game, this is something you're going to get excited about? Yeah, I, I was, I was going to say there, Mike, that let's not get carried away. I'm not quite as old as the granddad in that video, but I, I take your point. 
<laughs> I understand the point that you're making in general, but yeah, it's a little a little glimpse into my future, and I and you know it's exciting to think about where technology will take us. Like right now, we're still talking to each other over a little headset microphone, but I'm fully ready to believe. I'd love to believe that in 20 years from now, when my daughter's fully grown and I'm an old man, we'll be God, God knows we'll be on some kind of holodeck together playing video games. Like God knows where the technology is going to take us, but it's exciting to think about that as well. And again, generally, I just think the point has been really, really proven true. Uh, throughout the pandemic, and I, I don't think it's an I don't think it's a it's an accident that, for example, a game like Among Us, which has been around since 2018, blew up this particular year, uh, because I think this has been a year where we have been starved of um, human contact, and there's been a huge explosion, as you've seen, in uh, Twitch streaming and people playing on you know, video game like online multiplayer traffic's gone up by like 800 billion zillion percent or whatever it is. Like people are flocking to video games, not just because they're bored and want a distraction, but because video games increasingly now offer a way to connect. And look at, look at what have been some of the most popular video games of this past year. Fall Guys brings people together, right? 60 people kind of stumbling over one another. Among Us, right? 10 people. Like Among Us is mostly a social experience. As you know, Mike, the most fun thing about Among Us is not necessarily like walking around, like trying to murder people, but it's the conversations around the meeting table, right? When the accusations are flying around. And I've, I've made a bunch of friends from playing Among Us, people that I never would have met otherwise. Um, and, you know, there's, there's just so many um, examples of that throughout the Animal Crossing. You know, like I, one, of, one, of, one, of, one of the most um, uh, satisfying things that I saw happened in my household this year. And it really honestly put like, it really kind of warmed the cockles of my heart was seeing my wife, my daughter, and and uh, my mother-in-law, my daughter's grandmother, all kind of having a little tea party on the Animal Crossing Island. And it was like, it was kind of bittersweet because again, they can't do that in real life. So the video game has to test to step in for it. But it was just really sweet. Like kind of like life finds a way. Humanity will always find a way to connect. Thank God, thank God we have this technology. If the internet infrastructure had gone down, I think we would actually be looking at kind of a last of us type situation out there on the streets. But thank goodness it held up. It held up and it really has kind of held, held us up and held us together. I think, you know, this is something that we've been talking about in video games now for a long time. You know, the, the guys at Epic figured that they saw what people um, were doing with Fortnite. They were beginning to realize what, you know, if you spend 10 minutes you know, like in a uh, on a playground, I take my when I was taking my my daughter to second grade, I would like listen to the kids talking on the you know in the schoolyard at recess and what they're talking about. And you begin to realize that a game like Fortnite or, or now a game like Among Us, it's less to do about having a game to go play and more about having a space to hang out with uh, your friends together and socialize. Like Fortnite has transcended the concept of a video game. Now it's now just a place where you go. It's a destination, and playing playing a shooter game is one of the things you can do there. But you can also attend, you know, rock concerts and hang out in just these virtual kind of chill spaces. And Epic, I think, is leaning more and more into that as as the as the audience is telling them that's what they want. So like, I don't like to, I, I I I like to play golf. I'm not very good at it. But again, the the actual sport is secondary to just a nice day out. You know, riding around in the cart with my buddies and shooting the shit. Like, and the golf is just really the the vehicle through which we do. That's just an excuse to hang out. And that's what I think video games increasingly are in, in the in the multiplayer in the social space just an excuse to hang out with your friends and have fun in you know in a really uh fun context we played a, a big private lobby fall guys private lobby last night that was mostly filled with a bunch of our friends you and i mike are doing one later and it's just it's just a riot right hanging out with all your friends uh in, in the really fun context of playing like a you know a completely crazy video game it's we should all be you know as we count our blessings 
uh, at the end of this year as we go into the holidays. You know, again, it sounds like a like a like a schmaltzy thing to say, but we should all be really thankful for video games because they kind of held us together as a as a helps helped hold us together as a society this year. I think, as Tim Gettys would say, video games are cool. Is right. It's pretty incredible, <laughs> Gary. What as you say all that, right? I hope that our listeners and viewers feel that emotion as well and identify with that because gaming has brought me together with so many of my friends. I've made friends via Twitch streaming. I've made friends on online lobbies and I share friendship each and every day with my friends around the globe, right? I have people out in the UK. I have people in Texas. I have people up in Minnesota that, you know, I might not ever get to see or I might see once every two years, five years, right? But we still have that bond. We still get to grow together. I get to share my day. I get to talk with them and we get to share moments together through gaming. So it is pretty epic and it's super awesome, Gary. And I love that Xbox did put together this awesome four week little mini series right here. You can go check it out. It's only three minutes long, but it will give you all the feels and continuing with the feels. I want to share a fun spotlight from one of our best friends of the show right there from Zach coming in. He says, Hey, Mike and Gary, my birthday was this past weekend. So I put a call out to friends to have an old school Halo night, told them to get Master Chief Collection installed and updated. And if they didn't have have it, to go sign up for Xbox Game Pass. We played for five straight hours. I live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I've got friends from Miami, Boston, Oakland, all over. Some of us on Xbox One, some on PC. It was easy to party up. Some of these guys I've never played online with before. Others I haven't played with in years. I usually have a big party with friends, and while I do miss it, this was way easier to plan and clean up after. The best part was when it was over, one of them spoke up and said, we need to do it again next week. So we're going to play more Halo and other games real soon. He also has a really special birthday cake that we're going to put up on the screen for our viewers over on youtube.com slash games. You can check out this incredible Xbox Series X birthday cake. So happy birthday from me and the team here, Zach, to you. And Gary, this is another one like we just talked about, right? This is me and my friends on the daily, right? We're playing Warzone together. We're sharing laughter. We're playing Gears of War. We're out there playing any sort of game. And it's fun to bring us all together to share these moments. And really, through the power that I want to highlight right now is Game Pass and the Xbox ecosystem. He touched on it, right? Hey, if you don't have this, go sign up for Game Pass. Hey, if you're on Xbox One, if you're on PC, if you're on the Xbox Series X and or S, we can still play together. We can party together. And that's something I really want to find value in and share the value in of like, man, like who would have thought five years ago, 10 years ago that we would have been able to connect with each other and download games for a cheap price instead of making me pay, you pay $60, I pay $60 for a game that we might play once and still be able to play no matter what console, no matter what ecosystem you're on. I think that's something really special that I want to celebrate throughout the holidays. And I hope our listeners value and appreciate as well. This happened to me just recently, Mike, and I know that sometimes I have to laugh sometimes because I I, I I know that some people think that sometimes we almost sound like an infomercial, like late night, you know, home shopping network. Wait, you're telling me you get all these games for one low price? Like we almost sound like we're trying to sell you something. But no, I mean, it just it just really is that good. Um, my wife will tell you, her, her good friend, uh, their family just bought an Xbox uh, Series S. And, uh, you know, they, they got it. They knew it was like the next generation console. They were excited to get into it, but they didn't really know, like, okay, now what? Like, what games should we get? And my wife asked me, like, what games should they get? And like, I forgot for a second, and I thought I spent about a minute thinking, hmm, what Xbox games would I recommend? And then I, and then of course, arrived at the real answer, which is like, just get Game Pass, and you know, and you're all good, you're all set. Like, if you've got, if you've got, let's say, a hundred, let's say you've got like 120 bucks to spend on a couple of AAA video games, 
put that into a year of Game Pass Ultimate or whatever instead. And, you know, you've just, the library is there and you don't have to ask yourself, what games do I want to get? Because you've got a shitload of them, basically. And that's really, it's really, really nice. It's one less, it's actually kind of nice for me as someone who often gets asked these questions. People know I'm into video games. Oh, I just bought a new console. What game should I buy? I don't have an answer for you on PlayStation. I mean, on PlayStation, I would tell you what games to get. There's a handful of good ones to get, but like, there's no, again, until they come up with the Game Pass solution, I don't know. But if you're on PC um, or, or you're on Xbox, Again, on Switch, yeah, I would just tell you to get like the again, people on Nintendo don't need to know what games to get. They just go get the Mario games and the Zelda games. We all know what the best ones are and all these indies that are out there now. You're spoiled for choice. But on Xbox now, I don't have to answer the question anymore of like what game should I get? You just say your two words game pass. Thank me later. You're all you're all set. It's pretty incredible that service. And it definitely definitely brings everybody together and makes it easy, right? You just brought up that conversation of Oh, I got to tell you about this game. I got to tell you about that game. Oh, but you also need the online service. And then you're going to need this. And it's like, no, just get Game Pass. Everything is in it. Go out there and play. And the coolest part, like Zach said with his friends, right? Some of these guys have never played online. Some of them play online all the time. Just get Game Pass. We're all going to be together. And that was a cool one that Sarah Bond brought up with us last week during the interviews of like, it's pretty incredible that Game Pass is the one where that's the destination that can take us anywhere we want to go. So Really love that. Wanted to bring some positivity and some fun into your life throughout the holidays. But let's jump into the show. Of course, some housekeeping news for you. This is the Kind of Funny X-Cast. It posts each and every Saturday at 6 a.m. West Coast, Best Coast time on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games. And of course, on podcast services around the globe. So make sure to go like, share, subscribe to the video and leave a positive review over on the podcast services. If you're enjoying the show, we'd love to hear it. As we round out 2020, one final thank you to all of the best friends, all of the listeners, all of the viewers out there for making this show a dream and a reality. You guys brought this. Gary Witta had a crazy idea on Kind of Funny Day. All of you rocked that month of fundraising throughout the month of January, and you made this all possible. So thank you to our former co-host, Alana Pierce. Best wishes to her on her incredible adventure moving forward. But man, oh man, it went from six episodes all the way to 22. We're going to end 2020 right here, right now with a ton of fun. And will we come back for 2021? I don't know. You're going to have to go out there and tweet some sweet, nasty love, only positive stuff over to Tim Gettys because you know I would love to continue talking Xbox and share some enthusiasm and hype around gaming with you, Gary Witta, Barrett, and all of our best friends. So make sure to go tweet at Tim Gettys and tell him, yeah, hey, I mean, we, we have to leave it to the powers that be. Uh, really quick, I just want to shout out. I can't believe we've been doing this show for four and a half months. That's insane Woo! to me. It's insane. I mean, to me. <laughs> time time has ceased to have any meaning in the year 2020. But yeah, um, <laughs> look, none, none, you know, the vaccine is you know, the rollout's going to be slow. We're not going anywhere for a good good few more months yet. May as well uh, talk about Xbox games if they'll have us. Let's do it. Well, Gary, let's just jump right into the show. I want to kick it off with what games we've been playing because I have three games that I really want to highlight and talk about. And I know you and I share one game that we both have played. So let's kick it off with that. Back for Blood. The oh, yeah. closed alpha that we're allowed to talk about by Turtle Rock. Now, I want to know, what do you think about it? Did you have fun? I only played, I only got to play for a short time yesterday with uh, Khalif Adams uh, teamed up with me. And uh, we we jumped in there and played for a, for an hour or so. I mean, look, it's it's very, it's not a difficult, difficult proposition. It's less for, it's left for Dead 3. It's left for Dead 3. That's, that's what it is. That's what we've been wanting for the longest time you know valve to our eternal frustration you know put these incredible franchises out there portal team fortress half-life 
um, Left 4 Dead, all of which are stuck on their second iteration. I guess you could count Half-Life Alex as kind of like a quasi Half-Life 3, but not really, but like, where is Portal 3? Where is Team Fortress 3? Where is Left 4 Dead 3? Where is Half-Life 3? I don't know, but in, until Valve decide to kind of figure that out, it's nice to see that the developers who apparently don't want to wait for Valve uh, just to say, you know, let's just go do it and we'll call it something else. We'll call it Back for Blood. Um, it, I mean, it really does feel almost kind of cheeky, cheekily like, yeah, this is basically just Left 4 Dead, Left 4 Dead 3 under a different name. The, the characters, the vibe, the safe rooms, um, you know, the, the, oh, I get that's okay. The witch is now the snitch. And, you know, it's like, it's basically all the same stuff you remember, but they just ever so slightly changed it. So if you've got a left, if you've got a left for dead itch, this game is going to scratch it like no other. Cause it really is. I can't overstate this left for dead in everything, but name, right. It basically is, um, the card system, the perk system. I just, I, I least started playing around with that. Um, you know, in the, in the short time that I played and I was getting a hang, it seemed like kind of cool. It was like a deck building aspect to the, to the perks and the skill tree that you develop. As you play through the game, all I know is, and I was playing on a high-end PC, so I don't know what the console versions will be like. I imagine by the time Series X comes out next June, it'll be it'll be pretty slick. But on a PC, it just had a really good. It just felt right, like it felt like a really good zombie shooter. It it it'll scratch that itch for you. Yeah, yeah, you said it best. It's like this is Left 4 Dead 3, right? This is what we've been missing, and this is somebody as I who really miss a lot of multiplayer games with my friends. World War Z did a good job, but I've been always on the hunt for that you know, endless zombie horde, shoot em up Slayer game. And this is it, right? This is so great that Turtle Rock is able to come back and create essentially what is Left 4 Dead 3. We won't call it that. It's back for blood. But it's nice to know that this team is putting some love and care into it. It feels just like Left 4 Dead. It looks just like Left 4 Dead. And you could take that as a good and a bad, right? It's a little bit upgraded visuals. But in all honesty, it looks just like a Left 4 Dead game. And I think that should resonate with people, right? Because that was a really special game franchise. That a lot of us got to enjoy. A lot of us got to squad up in co-op matches. And I think we had a ton of fun with. And I'm really excited to see this June release over on the consoles and what it could be, what it will become, and the audience that it gathers. Yeah, and I got to say, I'm, I'm surprised. You know, the closed alpha test is continuing throughout the weekend. I probably will play some more before the weekend uh, is up. I know it's only a small part of the game, but for an alpha, it actually seems like it's in pretty solid shape. It looked good to me. It's like, wow, this isn't coming out until June. Looks looks like it's, you know, coming close to being done, at least the small segment of it that I saw. Very, very slick, technically very polished. It looks very, very, very good. Uh, again, as someone who increasingly, like, I really enjoy, you know how much I like Horde mode. Uh, I like games where like a small a, a small squad of you like team up against, uh, you know, the, the NPCs and the bad guys. I love that kind of stuff. What's weird about it, Mike, and I think you've played a little bit of this as well, I'm kind of surprised if if I was the developer of World War Z, the game, and everyone's got oh, back for blood, finally the game that scratches the itch. I'm like, we had that game. The World War Z was actually a really, really solid game. It, I was. Because it, it was. was. Maybe because it was a movie tie-in, but I kind of felt like it came and went. But I played it with some friends, and it was actually really, really good. And it also scratches that Left for Dead itch. I don't know why people kind of slept on World War Z, but it was a good game. Yeah, it is interesting, Gary. And, you know, I played with the kind of funny guys, and I brought that up of, like, that is a special game that I did enjoy. And I think a lot of people either similar to what this feels like, right? It's like you and your friends might be the casual audience that come in, play it for a couple of nights, beat it and never come back. Right. And I felt like that with world war Z with me and my friends, or it might be something where you really dive in deep and you make this a weekly or monthly routine thing. Cause it is a lot of fun. Right. And so for world war Z. And when I look at back for blood, these are the games. Now when people ask, Hey, I want to play something with my friends. Oh, we got a night together. What should it be? That will definitely be up towards the top of the list of like, hey, have you checked out World War Z? Hey, have you checked out Back for Blood? These are fun zombie slaying four player games that you can run around in. 
very basic. It's not like it's overly complicated and they have a good time. And I think the next level, like you said, is this deck building, right? What is this deck building? How will it evolve? Will it add replayability? Will it add a fresh take where every single time, every single level, every single restart, you maybe change up the deck, add some new cards? Because that was fun when we would complete a level and pull a card, pull three cards from our deck and choose, hey, which one do I want to go? Is it going to be an individual stat and perk? Will it be team oriented where, you know, hey, if Gary goes down and I revive him, all of us gain health boosts or, hey, when this guy goes down, we all gain ammo. I thought that was really cool to kind of add that extra layer to be like, yo, let's kind of elevate that basic left for dead, run around, shoot, make it to the safe room. Let's see if we can elevate it just a little bit to add some more flavor to this game. And I think the deck building could be that. Yeah, what's interesting about the deck building is it cuts both ways, right? You can you can pull cards from a deck to build up your, you know, your 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 you know, what your version of a skill tree or a character build or whatever. But it also the game also does it, right? They have this thing called the game director that kind of shuffles the deck every time and it's almost like a roguelike, right? Like it's kind of pr procedurally generating the game you're going to play. They make a big deal out of this idea that you'll never play the same game exactly twice. So like a roguelike will actually, you know, like a Spelunky kind of game will actually kind of procedurally generate an entirely different map for you. So it's not like, oh, I know exactly how to get through the map. With a 3D game, it's kind of harder to do that. We're not at a point yet technologically, I think, where, you know, you can procedurally generate an entire kind of 3D environment and have it be different every time. The map's going to be the map. But what makes it different is, is, is when that game director shuffles the deck and says, okay, this time you're going to get this kind of boss and you're going to get less of these, but more of these. And so you look at, okay, this is how the dynamic of the game is going to be different based on the kind of enemy types I'm going to be facing. So you build your deck, you know, differently to counter that. You know, there's almost like a kind of a, almost like a plants versus zombies kind of vibe to, okay, the enemy is going to be sending this at me. So I want to make sure I have this in my arsenal. And I think that, that might be an interesting way to keep the game fresh because you know these kind of games you're right you can only really kind of play through them so many times where you start to feel like yeah i'm i'm you know the concept is done i've, I've played this game what's next and so it's a it's a neat way to try and again bring a little bit of roguelike uh design uh philosophy to the game in the sense yeah you've played this map before but you haven't played this particular variant because we're we're, we're mixing it up and and adding like a randomized element to you know what you'll be what you'll be doing and what you'll be facing every time you play yeah, and I want to give a big shout out to Turtle Rock, right? The Turtle Rock Studios who created Left 4 Dead. I'll call, I'll call that a cult classic. People still play it to this day, or as Gary and I have said, right? You played it, you beat it, you enjoyed it. But they also made Evolve, and that's one I want to highlight. You know, back in the day, that was at the precipice of this 4v1 kind of asymmetric video games that we really weren't accustomed to and kind of enjoyed when it jumped into, but it was kind of short-lived, right? It's tough to keep that multiplayer base there when you play 4v1 only, right? And Evolve was a ton of fun. I thought it was very interesting. Of course, the player base did dwindle off and it just kind of went to the wayside. Be interesting to see how this team keeps a back for blood, left for dead type video game alive, right? You know the hardcore, the hardcore, but how do you get the casual audience back after a month, three months, six months? Because this is a fun game and I hope they get a lot of success and I hope they get a lot of... uh you know, admiration for this one will be very interesting. I really, I really like that asymmetric uh, concept. So you're right, Evolve was one of the first games to do it. Friday the 13th came along. Yep. Uh, Predator Hunting Grounds is doing it now. Among Us is a member of that genre, if you think about it, right? Asymmetric, right? Crewmates versus imposters. And so this it's, it's a really, really popular... Um, I think that I think that kind of asymmetric playstyle is almost emerging as like another battle royale. It's like a, a playstyle that every like everyone's got. Like there's a bunch of Among Us clones in development right now. There's a bunch of asymmetric games in development right now. I think you're seeing that emerging as you know a major new game type that we'll be seeing more of 
uh, next year. It's really fun because it's essentially it's a very great when you play Among Us or you play Predator as you know a soldier or a crewmate. That's a very different game to playing it as the imposter or the predator, right? It's essentially the rules are completely different based on what side of the equation you're on. So that's a, that's a fun way to keep the game fresh. No doubt. Another game that I've been playing that I want to really shine a spotlight on and bring attention to all of our Xbox fans out there is Gears 5 Hive Buster DLC. Gary, this was an incredible experience last night. Of course, we know that Gears 5 was really something special, right? That campaign with Kate Diaz and that, you know, kind of, semi-open world that they created that was much different than Gears, got a lot of praise and got a lot of love, and then it's continued on with the multiplayer, the horde mode, the escape mode, and now we get to have this kind of mini campaign DLC that's a prequel to the escape mode, something really special that I identify with because I, when I left E3 2019, when they showed Gears 5 escape mode, I thought that was one of the shining stars of E3 2019. I thought it was a really cool mode it was a great take on gears of war and how you can elevate that gameplay and to play this free dlc with game pass where it is me and two other friends three player co-op it's the prequel to escape mode with the characters that many don't actually know about right mac keegan and lonnie were three characters for escape mode they were the faces of it but they were kind of outshined gary when escape mode launched because they had the halo characters they had terminator as well and it was like Oh, do you really want to be those guys when you can be the Halo characters or Terminator like or Sarah Connor? Those guys are way cooler. I'd much rather play as them. And so I love that we shined a light on it. And it's two and a half hours, six chapters, and it's a ton of fun, Gary. It's beautiful. It's incredible. It is Gears of War to a T, and it's a must play. It's a lot of fun. So if you have Gears 5, you have Game Pass, go out there and download it right away because it's awesome, Gary. Yeah, it looks like a nice update. I'm just looking at look, I'm looking at the Xbox app on my PC right now. And again, there, there's there's been this question over the over the the last year or so as like Xbox has gotten bigger and bigger into Game Pass, what the model is going to be. Well, is this going to include all the DLC and stuff like that? But we, here's a great example of yes, the answer is yes. Here's Gears Five, and I'm looking at the little tile right now in my Xbox app. It's already been updated to include the Hive Busters thing. So if you download on Game Pass uh, um, Gears Five Game of the Year edition right now, you're going to get that content as well and so yeah i i i'm way behind on gears 5 i actually still need to play to play a little bit on series x i need to play like the whole campaign but yeah if you're if you're into gears 5 story mode and story campaign it's a really nice little it's, it's just like the it's like the video game equivalent of finding like 20 dollars in the back pocket of your jeans it's like oh that's nice what a nice surprise i didn't know i had that but yeah, there you go i'll take it and so it's like a nice little like nice little uh, stocking stuffer just in time for christmas yeah it is really special and it's one when we were playing it, right, Gary, and I think there's always been this conversation that we've had, right? We celebrate the Xbox franchises and the games that we all know and love, but sometimes we don't celebrate them enough or we don't promote them enough. We always look at the opposite side of Sony and say, man, I want that. I wish I had that. But when we were playing Gears 5 Hive Busters, all three of us were like, man, this game is beautiful. It is running extremely well. It's optimized or the consoles so, so well. You can get the 120 frames per second if you'd like out there. And it's like one of those, it's like you look around and you go, why are we not screaming from the rooftops how well this coalition team did on creating Gears 5, creating this DLC, and celebrating these franchises that you look around on the Xbox world and go, man, we got some great ones here, right? Gears 5 and Gears of War in total as a franchise should be played by everybody and their mother. That is an incredible franchise dating all the way back to Gears 1 when you still remember, right, Gary? The Mad World trailer that you'll never forget, right? The E-Day. And it's like one of those, like, are we as Xbox fans and, you know, the best friends, 
are we celebrating this enough? And I, I don't think I do a good enough job at saying, hey, that was incredible, y'all. Great work out there, Coalition, because this was a ton of fun. It starts off, I don't want to spoil any stories, but it starts off in this beautiful world. And all three of us were starting in separate areas and we had to come together. And it was wild to start a Gears game where it's like, oh, you're not by my side. We didn't hop out of the helicopter together. Like, you're way over there. I'm over here. How do we come together and to experience that? And for it to be just two and a half hours was perfect. That was one night of gaming that I will never forget. And I loved it. So I just want to make sure we celebrate those kind of moments here on the Xbox side, because there are some great franchises and games that definitely need some love and support. It's it's interesting when I think about Gears and how it fits into like the whole kind of Xbox uh, picture, because, you know, Gears and Halo, Halo have been in some ways on similar trajectories, in other ways on different trajectories. Halo and Gears both started with different developers, right? Gears of War originally was an epic game. It was, an, it was you know, Cliff Blazinski and it was Epic Games made, made, made those first games, uh, just like uh, Bungie made the first Halo games. And then Bungie went off uh, to go make Destiny and, and Microsoft had to replace it with a new, new developer and brought it in-house. Now we have 343. Th- three. With Gears, they brought, they brought the game in-house but then put their own team on it. And that's, and so Epic goes away and Coalition comes in. So two really, really big Xbox franchises that are, that are, that are now being shepherded by, by the teams that didn't originally make them. And they've both been really, really successful. Halo has gone on to, you know, re, it obviously is like, there's everything else that Microsoft has and then there's Halo. Like it's, and that's why we made such a big deal when the game got delayed. You know, Master Chief is the only character on the back of the Series X and Series S packaging on back of the box. Like Master Chief and Xbox, go hand in hand. He is the closest thing that, you know, Microsoft has to, you know, Mario or like, you know, a true, true mascot that is synonymous with the Xbox brand. I think Gears of War in the franchise is qualitatively as good a series of games, but just hasn't quite, I don't know if you'd agree with me, Mike, but I kind of feel like Gears hasn't quite reached that halo level of like mass mainstream media excitement and and recognition. Like Gears fans know that it's great. And like I said, Gears fans will We'll talk your ear off about what a great game Gears is. It just feels like it hasn't crossed over to the extent where, like, I just kind of feel like the level of excitement for a new Gears game isn't quite what it would be for, a, you know, for a new Halo game. Or there's a bunch of big franchises out there. Like, it's a really good game, but I just kind of feel like, I don't know, has it peaked? I don't know, has Gears peaked? I think it's climbing the peak, and it will be hitting the summit soon enough. I agree with you, Gary, right? The Gears fans will get in our comments right now and say, oh, where have you been? It's always been great, right? But I think to the casual audience... I think a lot of them get scared because it is kind of that, you know, you beat the campaign and I want to stress how incredible the campaign is and that everybody should beat it or play it. But like, I think a lot of people look at that multiplayer and go, I can't play that. Right. I'm not bouncing off of walls. I'm not Nash or shotgunning people. I'm not going to Lance or uh, chainsaw somebody in half. I'm just not that good. And I think they shy away from gears, but as this team has worked on it, they've created so many avenues of play. They have a killer campaign that you can play co-op with your friends. They do have an intense, awesome, and high-energy multiplayer that is unmatched by many games there, right? If you're not chainsawing somebody in half, are you even living, right? That's incredible stuff. But then they have horde mode you can play with your friends and change the difficulty to easy with your friends and family members. Just super hard and really sweat if you want. Now they've added escape mode, and escape mode is a whole nother thing of like, hey, if you don't have time for horde mode, if you don't think you're good enough for multiplayer, Try this escape mode because these Hive Buster guys and gals are really, really fun. And I think they continue to round out what is Gears of War. And I hope that they continue this. I hope that they find that summit because it should be praised all the time because it's beautiful. It runs well. 
and it is a, a killer franchise over here. Yeah, I, I don't think Gears is going anywhere. I mean, I, like, as, as I would say, like as a moderate fan of Gears, not like a super fan. I honestly wouldn't be heartbroken if they parked it for a bit and did something else, like launch a new. I know, I, just, not, I know, See, I'm not speaking I your language that right because now. after I played a game, I thought in the same mind, it was like, could this team work on something different? And after we finished that, I was like, no way. This team's got to continue on the path. Maybe they make a separate team and do something, but like. No way. This is the thing right here. Gary. Maybe it's just because I, I don't particularly love, like for me, a big part of it is the universe. Like what's the story world? Like that's why I never really connected with destiny because the mythology is just like a mess. It's like, I don't understand a single thing that's going on in this world. Like, and I, and I don't care either. That's the problem is I just don't care about all this shit. And so, but if you can connect with me, like in a, in a character, in a story, in a, in a world building way, I'll buy in. And the games that I love the most, like, like, for example, Mass Effect, are the games where I bought into the universe and the characters, and I love Shepard. I love, you know, just that whole universe, all the different races and characters that you meet. It just feels like a really, really built out, really thought out, living, breathing universe. And, like, for, you know, obviously it's not going to happen right away, but, like, Cyberpunk is a world that eventually, once they fix it, I will go get lost in as well. That seems like a fun world with lots of really kind of rich narrative and world building and, and story forward uh, stuff. There's just something about gears that I just look at. I'm like, I get it. It's 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 cool. There's mod, there's aliens. There's chainsaws. There's a bunch of cool characters. It just it when it all comes together, it's somehow for me, it doesn't it doesn't quite pop. It doesn't quite click. And that and that's just a personal taste thing. Like not everything is going to be you know my cup of tea. I like it. I enjoy. It. I just it, I don't I don't feel it calling to me with each new release. So for me personally, if you ask me what, what would I rather the coalition did next. I'd rather see something new. I, I, I pretty, I can like, I can close my eyes and imagine pretty much what Gear Six is going to look like. It's not going to look or play or sound radically different to the other games, unless they reinvent it, which with a core franchise that I don't think they will. They're going to continue to play it relatively safe. I'm like, yeah, I can kind of like, I, it surprised me with something. Like, I, I, I kind of Gear Six is not going to surprise me. Like, I can, I can reach into the future right now and connect this for you and say, look, Gear Six is going to be great. People are going to love it. But you you already know what it might you already know what gear six is gonna look like. It's gonna look like the other gears games. I I, I kind of like five after five games in, plus tactics, plus all the DLC and stuff like that. Maybe, you know, like try something new. Like, you know, the, the franchise is not going anywhere, but we, we've said before, Microsoft needs to really broaden its its franchise base and and and, and get new original uh, worlds and characters and game series, you know, running under its umbrella to, you know, really build up the argument that, you know, buying in Bethesda is a nice way to do it. But they also need to generate their own homegrown uh, content as well, the way that they did with um, uh, with Halo and Gears and these other these other properties. Uh, I just I, I like Gears. I don't love it enough to care a whole lot about what is in the future of Gears. The 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 the, the guys at the Coalition are obviously super super talented. I would kind of like to see what they could do with something else. You know, so I, and, I, and I think you see that a lot, like Bungie eventually, I think got to a point where they were just tired of making Halo and they wanted to do something like creatively. If you've got a really, really like fertile and and um, engaged creative mind, you don't want to do the same shit over and over and over again. Like, I, 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 like really, really creative minds get bored very quickly and want to come up with the next, rather than just doing the same thing over and over. They want to do, what's the next thing? I've done that now. What's the next thing? I think Bungie got to that, got to that point with Halo. So they wanted to go try and make Destiny uh, which is weird because Destiny is not that different to Halo. It's still like a first-person shooter with a bunch of weapons and an impenetrable mythology I don't really care about. But it was for them, it was something different. Um, and I, maybe the team at the Coalition can hard, right? Because that whole team is basically was built to make Gears games. That's the whole reason why it exists. Same as 343. They, they, I don't know if they would have the, the luxury to decide they just want to make something new. 
but I don't know, maybe something in the Gears universe, it's like a completely, I know they did Gears Tactics, but like, I don't know, I just want something different, Mike. And I feel like whatever the next mainstream Gears game is going to be, it's not going to be something radically different. It's going to be more of the same. And for people that like Gears, that's going to be great. For me, I'd rather have something else. I agree with that, Gary. It's going to be very interesting as we move forward. And, you know, the Xbox studio, the, you know, the Xbox game studios continue to grow. What will the coalition do? Because you're right. We've had Gears for a long, long time here. And is it time for a new fresh start? Or do we continue to double down on this franchise? I'm very excited to see. But I will say I loved this DLC included on Game Pass. Make sure to go check it out. Two and a half hours. That's just one night with your friends. You're going to love it. Final game that I've been playing, Gary. I know a lot of best friends know me as the multiplayer guy. They know I love the Warzone. So I got to highlight the Call of Duty Warzone update, the integration of Call of Duty Cold War Black Ops. You have to touch on it, right, Gary? We got the guns from Call of Duty Cold War Black Ops coming into the Warzone. We have a brand new map right now. We have a whole lot of energy back into the Warzone right now. This is a game that's had a full, you know, almost a full year now since release. And this is the major update, right? A brand new map. The guns are integrated. And it's a ton of fun, Gary. I know you've been kind of shying away from the war zone, but you've been interested to dip your toe back no, in. I was I'm curious again, Mike. I'm ready to, I'm ready to that's get That's what I'm I like to, to hear, Gary. Literally, literally, my battle net is updating Warzone as we speak with the call with the Cold War uh content so i am i am this, guy, this guy's got like one fucked up eye that's kind of interesting i'll see what that's all about I'll, I'll i'll jump in with you again you might have to carry me for a bit but i do like i've always liked straight up battle royale um shooters you know i cut my teeth on PUBG. I, i'm kind of over PUBG. i don't think i can play it anymore but like for a long that was the game that really got me into it i like wars i like warzone better i think it looks better sounds better plays better much more polished i like some of the design decisions that they made um and i really liked cold war as well so cold war now um uh coming together with warzone is that's that's that that is my cup of tea and i can see myself playing that so next time you want to uh get up a squad you don't mind carrying someone let me know and i'll be there oh, i'm so glad that you're interested in jumping back in and i want to highlight this for all of our best friends out there watching and listening right so on the positive sides right right here right now you have a brand new map you have rebirth island which is like a mini alcatraz it's not as big as verdansk it's pretty small. It actually is only teams of three. And I think it's like, I don't know, 24 teams, probably like 60 people at the most. But it is fast. It's furious, Gary. And the coolest part is, and instead of dying and going to the gulag, what happens is if you die, if one of your squad mates stays alive for at least 60, 30, 40 seconds, these timers can dwindle down if you get kills while you're still alive. Your teammates will respawn back into the map. So it's really fun of like, Two of us will go down and I'll be like, Gary, you got to live for 18 more seconds. I'm almost back and you'll be hiding in a cranny or you'll be going out there fighting people. And it's really, really cool for this kind of gameplay to be implemented into what we already know is the gulag and the buyback system. I like this rebirth and I love the island it's on, Gary. This Alcatraz is very small. It's very tight, but it's also very vertical. There's a lot of houses that have three to four stories in that you can get lost in. There's rooftops, there's towers with, you know, water towers that you can get up on top of and snipe down from above on. And it's really fast. It's really furious. It takes that 40-minute Warzone map in Verdansk and kind of bundles it down into a 10 to 20-minute game of like, we're moving, don't stop, keep shooting. You're moving so fast, Gary, that it almost feels like you don't even get the loadout, right? Because it's just pure mayhem all the time. And I absolutely love it. It's really, really cool. And the best part is they had added attack helicopters now. So instead of the basic you, helicopter, like the helicopters, Mike, 
They got two turrets on the side, and I get my whole crew inside of it, and I get to pile it around. You know, I'm whipping it sideways for the left gunner to shoot. Then I rip it back to the right for the right gunner to shoot. Maybe I do a tail whip or something crazy. It's really, really special. And so I want to highlight the pros of, hey, this Rebirth Island is something that I've wanted as somebody who plays Warzone all the time, right? I wanted that new map. I wanted that fresh feel that we've seen like in Apex. We've seen in Fortnite. I, I don't want to call Fortnite. Fortnite has had some very cool map alterations and updates, but I've never felt like it's a true map change, right? Where it's like a whole new world, a whole new setting. This is nice because I've played a lot of Verdansk. I know Verdansk like the back of my hand. And I'm happy to be like, hey, here's a new area to keep it fresh, keep it fun throughout the holidays. And you can go out there and learn. I am a little disappointed it is trios, but I understand it's smaller, it's faster, and the rebirth mechanic is there. So I like that feel, and I think it's a ton of fun. So I really want people to know about that. And on the flip side, the downfall that I'm disappointed is, is Verdansk, right? Verdansk did not get that big update that I wanted. That is the true four-player Warzone gameplay that you know for Call of Duty Warzone. And I'm very upset that we've almost gone a full year and I haven't seen that big change. We've had subtle changes to stadium. We've had small additions like the subway and whatever. But it's like, where is that new giant map? Because that's what I want, Gary. I want that fresh feel. I want that new map where it's like, oh, we got to explore. I don't know what area is cool, what area is not cool. We just seem to continuously drop into Verdansk. And I'm looking at the team of like, hey, you did a good job bringing in the new weapons from the new video game. And I'm impressed that we went from wars you know call of duty modern warfare into black ops cold war and we somehow were able to integrate this pretty cleanly and successfully i'll give them that but like where is that big pop that big moment where it's like oh my gosh this is when you got to get back in because rebirth island is not enough for me to scream from the rooftops right now yeah i'm i it's interesting to hear what you're saying because this is a lot of the the stuff you're describing is Along the lines of the kind of battle royale that I was hoping that they would that they would add over the over the years, like I I have hundreds of hours in player unknowns battlegrounds, and I played that game a lot, and it can be really fun. But those original maps, which were massive, like eight eight kilometers by eight kilometers, and you got a hundred players, um, you could spend a good twenty minutes without seeing another person, right, outside of your team. You know, you're just exploring, looting empty houses, grabbing a car, driving around, and it can be a long time before you really get into any kind of actual kind of combat engagement. And that's fine too, because when you're playing with other players, that kind of discovery and that downtime can be fun, right? It goes back to what we were saying earlier about games, video games are social, and you just want to hang out with your friends. But a lot of PUBG games that I played was 20 minutes of looting houses, and then we get into one combat engagement, I get a bullet in the head, and like my game's over. And I'm like, well, that one, okay, now I'm going to go back to the beginning. So what I like about, and it does it sound a little bit like Apex Legends, the way you're describing it, like more verticality to the map, squads of three, small, smaller player cap, like 60 players max. Um, I, felt, I, I felt like one of the things that Apex brought to the Battle Royale mix was this sense of like, just because it's Battle Royale doesn't mean there has to be a lot of downtime. And the idea that you can play a Battle Royale game, but still have pretty much constant combat engagement from you know deployment to chicken dinner is that that that's actually a kind of battle royale that I never got to play a lot of because I know PUBG and other games have brought smaller maps in and and they've tried to kind of you know uh, dial up the intensity and, and less downtime. Uh, but in the early days of PUBG when I was playing it, there was a lot of downtime and it made me think, man, I kind of wish that these maps were smaller, focused, more contained, or at least had that option. So if you just want to get like thick and like still play battle royale, but just have like a, a feel of like the more kind of war to war combat that you get in a typical deathmatch type um you know call of duty uh game this this feels like it's it's combining those two things and I, i'm definitely keen to check that out 
I'm glad that you're enjoying or you're interested in it, Gary. And I hope that a lot of our best friends go check it out over the holidays because this team did a really good job at bringing in what is the new Call of Duty and integrating it with what is going to be the living, breathing constant that is Warzone. So it will be fun to see as we progress and move forward. Do you have any games that you want to talk about before we jump into the next topic? Um, so I feel like one of the, one of the, one of the biggest news stories this week was Among Us coming to Xbox. I don't know if you've already got that on your news uh, agenda, but I fired up my, uh, my Xbox, uh, Game Pass app here on my PC and Among Us is staring me in the face. That's a big deal, Mike, for, you know, PlayStation got the win with four, the two biggest games this year, I think, for social gaming have been Four Guys, uh, and Among Us and, and, uh, Sony got the exclusive on Four Guys. And now, um, right, but now, right now, Among Us is the thing that Sony gamers are missing out on, right? Because it, it just came to Nintendo Switch. Now the now it's now on Windows PCs. The Xbox version is coming early next year. I don't know if Sony's going to get it as well. Maybe, maybe not. But we know it's coming to Xbox. That voice chat, that party chat, is going to be baked right into it. This will be the first time. It's interesting, you know, with, with, with to play Among Us properly on PC or on iOS or even on Nintendo Switch, you really need to be running a separate app, whether it be Zoom or Discord, you know, to, to handle the voice component. The nice thing about uh, the Game Pass version, particularly on Xbox, is that all of that voice chat is going to be baked right in to the system you're already playing on. Let's like set up a, uh, an Xbox Live, you know, party chat or whatever, um, and you'll be good to go. So I kind of feel like in many ways, um, coming to Xbox, you know, the first, the first platform that actually has everything that you need to play the game, like a fully integrated voice component, like baked right into it, that's going to be a big deal. I think Among Us is going to be hugely, hugely popular on Xbox next year. Yeah, it's really cool, Gary, that it's coming on Game Pass on PC, which, yes, I know it's not a huge price tag when you buy it on Steam, but at the same time, like, if I'm paying for Game Pass Ultimate and I'm on PC, bang, I don't have to spend that $5 to get this game, which is a huge win for us gamers. And on top of that, I believe I saw they said when it comes to console, it will be day one Xbox Game Pass on the console as well. So that's a big win as well. And I think similar like we talked about with Fall Guys, right, that exclusivity, this might not be exclusivity, but at the same time, this is coming to your Game Pass day one on the console. That will grab a lot of people, which will be great. Yeah, and good for the developers as well. You know, what is it, like three, four people that make Among Us and, you know, the game blew up and, you know, it's a, it's a real Cinderella story, the developers of Among Us, you know, put this game out in 2018. No one paid any attention to it. Like, you know, half a dozen people were playing it. And then, you know, a couple of big streamers discover it in the year of, pan the year of pandemic when people are looking, you know, for games that will help them connect with others. And it's like, it's, it's just been this great fairy tale story uh, for the for the, for the the guys over at uh, Inner Sloth. And I, I'm really, really happy to see all the success they've been having, but I've been saying along for the longest time, like this game needs to come. I, I, I kind of want to play this like in the living room on a gamepad. There's, no, there's no reason why it can't work on a gamepad. We're seeing now that it does. It works perfectly well on Nintendo switch. The thing that's holding it back is it need you is you need that voice component and none of, none of the existing versions of, of among us come with the voice chat, like in, you know, baked into the experience, the Xbox version will be the first one to have that because, of course, if you're playing it on Xbox, then you already have you know all the voice chat stuff running separately through party chat for you. So that's going to be the first time that it's going to be easy to play Among Us with voice without having to worry about you know setting up a separate FaceTime call or a Discord or whatever to be able to uh, run the chat component. So um, I feel like it's it's finally uh, finding its home you know in a, in an environment where it's really really going to flourish because you try you try to play I've done it before I played Among Us without the voice chat it's not the same so the fact that the fact that this is going to make it easy for people to play it the way it's meant to be played with full voice chat I think it's going to be great yeah it's going to be a lot of fun try that proximity chat on PC if you're playing it try to set up some lobbies with proximity chat because that adds another elevated level to it if you played a bunch like me and Gary you're probably looking for that 
next high on that game of like, how can we challenge this? How can we elevate it? You know, seeing a lot of my friends do the proximity chat and participating in that is a ton of fun. It definitely elevates the uh, the scares and the nerves a little bit. It's funny you should mention it. I played proximity for the first time yesterday. Um, and you're right. I, I made the same analogy you did. It's like, oh man, you know, this, this drug's pretty good, but like, I'm kind of used to it now. Like, what's the, what, what else you got? Like, what's the next even harder drug? And it turns out the next even harder drug is proximity chat because it definitely adds a whole other layer to the game to the, to the extent that I think if the developers are paying attention, I'm sure they are. I'll mark my words. Here's my prediction for 2021. That proximity chat feature will wind up getting baked into the game and officially supported because it definitely, definitely takes it to another level. I can't wait for that, Gary. Anything else on the game side? Um, I'm just looking at looking at around what's on Game Pass. There's a game that just dropped on Game Pass. Uh, it's in their recently added section. You may have heard it. So I don't know, but my wife really enjoyed playing it last year, and I really loved it as well. It's called Wilmot's Warehouse. Cute oh. little indie game. No, I've never um, heard about it. It's like a little you got you kind of you have to manage the inventory in a warehouse, and it's very very simple, almost like Thomas was alone levels of like kind of very basic kind of RGB graphics. Very very simple, but ingenious in, 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 in as a as a as a puzzle game in a kind of Baba is you kind of way. Like it doesn't look brilliant, but the game it's really really clever. Um, and there's a couple of others. That, oh, more this other thing that I want to check out called Mork Red. I think I may have mentioned this on the show. Uh, last week it looks kind of like limbo or inside but it's two-player co-op and it has Ooh, okay. that same kind of everything is like silly like monochromatic sh- everything's you know, kind of shadowy and gloomy and eerie it's got that kind of play dead kind of vibe to it um the difference being that the that they're puzzles that you solve uh two-player co-op you know again if you're looking increasingly my wife and i my daughter and i are always looking for things that we can play cooperatively together like we don't want to beat each other up or try to defeat each other we want to team up and try to achieve things together um, and so we were, we're always looking for, I like, I, I just noticed recently that you can, uh, search on the, uh, game pass store for like, you know, checkbox, like show only show me things that are co-op, you know, or whatever. And so you can, you can shorten down that list and figure out what it is you want to play. If you're looking for, you know, a very particular kind of experience. So that's, that's next on my list. I think Mork Red, um, and, um, I may go back and play, I may go back to Wilmot's warehouse. Now it's on game pass. That's a fun one. All right. Awesome, Gary. Well, those are the games that we've been playing or the games that we want to play throughout the holiday period. Gary, it is our final episode of 2020. And I kind of battled of like, what are you and I going to talk about, right? Are we going to talk about the holidays? We're going to just talk about games we've been playing. Are we going to give our Xbox power rankings of the best games of the year? And I really, what I wanted to do was celebrate that, celebrate the year that Xbox had, right? I want to look back on 2019 into 2020, and I want to look forward to 2021. And what Xbox and Microsoft have to offer us as gamers and what we can expect and what we're really eager and want to see and want to, you know, have answered the questions that we have. So I brought up, I did some research with me and my friends of just kind of hitting the bullet points throughout the year of what we had and what were some of the major moments. And so when we look back, Gary, December 2019, of course, we had the Game Awards reveal of the Xbox Series X and Hellblade 2. I will never forget that trailer being down at the kind of funny studio and being wild, like, what is this? And then all of a sudden you see Master Chief's helmet at the end and the splash of the console. That was pretty wild there, Gary. Do you remember that back then? Yeah, I do. And it's it's almost impossible to um, believe that that was a whole year ago. But like we said, 2020 had, had a weird way of kind of collapsing time. Like that, like, like a, a year ago, the start of 2020, like I'm thinking back to like when I was on Kind of Funny Games Daily talking to Greg about whether or not E3 was going to happen. Like those, like we'll be lucky if next E3 happens. Like, you know, this is, 
yeah, those kind of conversations seem kind of quaint because back then we had no idea how serious I, I had some sense. I think many people did, but a lot of people had no sense of just how bad, uh, you know, this, this was going to be. So 2020 has been a weird year in terms of like, it feels like a, it feels like a million years long, but also not very long uh, at all. But yeah, it's weird to think that the Xbox series X, like we knew what it was going to look like a year ago. They announced it a year ago. Now we finally have it in, in our homes looking forward though. I'm actually very optimistic about 2021 for video games. I kind of feel like, like the next gen consoles are here, and that we're all, and this we're already calling PlayStation 4 and Xbox One last gen because technically they are now. As soon as the new consoles are in the stores, that that old that new shit is old now. Like that's that's no longer current gen. That's last gen, and next gen is now current gen, and that's exciting. They're officially here. We've you know those of us, those of us who are lucky enough to actually get one, um, you know, have them at home now. The problem is because they're brand new consoles. There's just not a lot to do with them yet, right? They're brand new, and you know, you, it's even hard to go. Like the the new generation consoles, Xbox Series X and S, it's here, but it's also kind of not here, right? It just came out. There aren't a lot of games yet. Um, if you didn't get one, you might not even be able to get one for a while yet because the stock situation uh, is such a mess across the board. You know, both on uh, PlayStation and uh, Xbox. So I kind of feel like I guess the point I'm making is that 2021 is the year in which we can expect the next generation to really kind of truly arrive and start to bed in and we'll get comfortable with it. And, and, you know, the, we won't be waiting for like the next gen updates to games anymore. Like the games are just going to arrive like fully baked for next gen. And, you know, at that point, I think we can feel like, again, I feel like next gen's kind of here and not here. 2021 is going to be the year where it actually, actually arrives. Um, and of course on the Xbox side, I think it's going to, I think it's going to be very halo centric. Um, again, it's, it's not been lost on us that we made the point before that 2021 is the 20th anniversary of halo. I fully expect a Microsoft from Microsoft's marketing department to go nuts on that. We'll have a whole year of halo, uh, a whole bunch of series of events and releases and kind of stuff like that. Probably the halo TV show will, will factor in there somewhere. Cause we know that's, um, you know, in production right now, but it's all going to lead up to the new rescheduled, release of halo infinite and mike we talked about this before the show how smart in the light of cyberpunk how smart does that that decision to delay halo infinite now look in retrospect when we when we when we, th when we, when we think about it and what we see what we're seeing right in front of us right now this drama this ridiculous drama that's unfolding you know every day it's some new ridiculous story with cyberpunk like what could have been if they had if they'd have taken it out of the oven too early microsoft could be looking at a cyberpunk type situation right now with their banner franchise they could not have afforded to let that happen. So it seems like they made the right choice to hold it. I can't wait to talk about that with you in just a little bit, is right, Gary, because that was uh, the right decision here. And we're going to talk about that cyberpunk fiasco because all week I've been seeing way too much yellow backgrounds with black text all over oh, Twitter. Man. So we'll talk about that. Let's jump back into the year of the calendar, though. In March, we started our COVID lockdown, if you remember. Ori and the Will of the Wisp. Uh, return or released. We had Bleeding Edge as well from Ninja Theory. I don't know if you got to play any of those two games, but those were, of course, Ori. Should, you know, one of the game of the year contenders definitely needs to be in the conversation. The soundtrack, the the performance, the visuals. This game was incredible. The sequel to that was so so good. I couldn't believe at how well that Moon Studios did. Bleeding Edge, on the other hand, you know that felt like one where it's like, yo, put. That was when we had the conversation of. Is Game Pass worth it? Are these the type of games we're going to get? And you got to mind you, Ninja Theory was making this with like 25 people, I believe. It was a very small team just kind of putting something together while they came off of Hellblade. And Microsoft said, yeah, why don't we just continue it, put it out on Game Pass? That was that weird, like, Overwatch, you know, hero-based 
shooter melee brawler type video game that kind of hit for some people didn't hit for many and i feel like just came and went just will be stuck on game pass forever there yeah i missed that one entirely but i did play um quite a bit ori my kid really loved it as well i mean like you said just a beautiful beautiful game just from an artistic standpoint just an absolute masterpiece um and just beautifully designed as well so um yeah i enjoyed that i enjoyed that immensely then we move into May, and of course, I got another birthday present from Xbox. If you remember, a couple years back, they released the Xbox, uh, Xbox, Xbox One S All Digital Edition, released on my birthday on May seventh, which was really special. This year, yes, we did. had we had the uh, May seventh third party conference, where a lot of people came out of that going, "What the heck just happened there?" If you remember, that's where they promised Assassin's Creed Valhalla gameplay, but we didn't get gameplay. And we had this mix of like, what did we just watch there? Because none of that really clicked except for the medium. We saw a little bit of scorn that kind of piqued people's interest, but we kind of got lost with like bright memory. We saw Call of the Sea. We saw Dirt 5. We saw Madden. We saw Scarlet Nexus. We saw Second Extinction. This conference was like a weird emotion because I remember being on with the kind of funny watch party and going, man, am I like, am I super pumped on this? Am I like halfway in on this or am I out on this? Because none of them really, really hit hard except for that medium title, which we got to see more of later on that has really become one of the standout stars as we look forward to 2021. Yeah, I don't remember that conference as well as I remember the one that came um, shortly after, the one that uh, yep. Halo reveal. Um, that one I do remember better, but like what well, just in general, one of the things that I think we've all learned and you see this over and over again, you can go on the internet, spend five minutes and you'll find countless, countless examples of like comparison screenshots and comparison videos. The division is one that always um, I remember in my memory, but there's many, many other examples of like what was shown at the showcase and what you actually got. And there's often big, big differences uh, between the two so it's fun to get excited about upcoming games and it's fun to see the first looks at new games and trailers and reveals and things like that but like anyone who's been anyone who's been playing video games or you know living in this world for any amount of time now i think is is, pra- is pragmatic enough to know that you take this stuff with a pinch of salt i mean maybe not the kind of funny guys they're fucking foaming at the mouth every time the new trailer drops like oh my god like they, they instantly like they and I, I love the enthusiasm i you know me i'm a little bit more skeptical like I'll believe it when it's actually running on my console the way it looks there because we've seen before Ubisoft are particularly bad culprits when it comes to this. They're showing, you know, we, you, you've all seen that you've all seen that Jurassic Park meme, you know, where they show the, the resplendent John Williams music is playing over the footage that you thought you were going to get. And then when they show you the, the footage that you actually get, the fucking kazoo version of it kicks in. It's like <laughs> kind of pathetic compared to what we thought we were going to get. How many, how many times has that happened with like Ubisoft specifically? Like uh, Watch Dogs 1. Many sure. times. Watch dogs all one. the time, all the yes. time. What are you talking about? The, the, all the time. The division. Hey, the division was a big one. The division one. No, the the, the division one. I can find a YouTube video right now. Mm. They showed this kind of cooked up CG uh, footage of like what a, a multiplayer engagement was supposed to look like, and it uh. looked incredible. Compare that to what you actually got. And the division was a good game. I love the division. I played like two hundred hours of it. It weren't what was shown. Gotcha. Like you gotcha. can tell that it was, and you know, and again, I don't want to get into. We'll talk about cyber, cyberpunk later, but look how carefully they they curated what you were allowed to see and what you weren't. The 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 night and day difference between what you thought you were getting and what many many people got, it's outrageous. And again, I've just le- I've just learned to temper my expectations, get excited, um, because you know that's 
what video games are all about. They're about excitement and anticipation and wanting the next game to be great. Uh, I try not to be too cynical, but again, you've been burned a lot with these with this fake ass footage. So you know, I'll I, I I'm like yeah, that looks really great. I hope the game looks that good, but I'm not going to be counting on it because we've seen it time and time again. Later in May, we had Minecraft Dungeons, and I did want to highlight one of my favorite games of the year, Man Eater by Tripwire Interactive. I hope everybody goes out there. You played a lot of that shark game. Oh, Gary, it's incredible. I think that's one of those where everybody will enjoy that, right? You're a shark. You grow from a little baby pup all the way to the massive great white that you are, and you're out there eating humans out on the beach. You're destroying boats. You're battling other apex predators. That was such a special game, and I really loved the end of May with Minecraft Dungeons with my friends into that single player experience. And then we move into July where we did get that first party conference with the the Halo Craig Brute. And you you were like, hey, this doesn't look good. You looked at me and Alana, you said, hold up a second. I know y'all are hyped for the gameplay and the return of Halo, but I don't like the look of this. And of course the internet agreed with you and 343 Industries a little bit later on, we'll have a discussion here. But they also showed Forza Motorsports, which is gonna be that platform, right, Gary? This isn't like a true Forza Motorsport eight or nine or whatever number we're at. This is like Forza Motorsports, the platform, the live service. It'll be very interesting to see what they do with that. We also got to see Avowed by Obsidian. Destiny 2 Beyond Light was announced for Game Pass. Fable was also shown, The Gunk. We got another piece of Everwild that I still don't understand what that game is, but it looks beautiful, but we still have no idea. But that July first party conference was when things really started to pick up here and we started to look forward to the console release, which was pretty special. Then on July 22nd, Mixer shut down, if you remember. And at the oh, end geez. of July, we had Grounded Early Access begin, which was yep, a fun I time. That. In August, we had one of our biggest Xbox release windows here with Battletoads, Flight Simulator, Tell Me Why, Wasteland 3, and 343 Industries and Xbox came out and said that this will be the first Halo delay, if you do remember that one. That's when they said, hey, Hold up, we're going to put this on a, a quick park for a second. Then in September, if you remember, September 7th, late, late at night, the Xbox Series S was leaked. And that is when we have oh, the infamous, yeah. the special social media save by that incredible team over at Microsoft and Team Xbox to straight put out one GIF, one meme, and change the gaming world. That will be always remembered in my mind, Gary, as that team somehow picked that one right back up and made something special out of it. You know, um, the, 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 the true heroes of, of 2020 are, of course, you know, the frontline workers and the medical uh, experts and personnel that have been keeping us all uh, from going under. But just in our little video game world, I think we, some of the social media people this year should get a medal. The Xbox guys, obviously, again, turning a negative into a positive. Um, the, like the pure magic that's been coming out of the Fall Guys social media account ever since they started. That ended up being like a legitimate part of the game's success, just how much fun they've been having over on the Fall Guys social media feed. And we now see the Among Us Twitter feed is kind of catching up on that as well and adopting kind of a similar, uh, like, it's just fun, right? Like, it's, it's, it's meant to be fun. And so uh, those, those those guys have been uh, doing great work. But yeah, in particular, I mean, it's it's clear that Microsoft didn't expect that leak to happen. It's like, but again, it's like, you how, how do you play the cards that you dealt, right? It's like, we got them. We 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 got to we we got to find a way to play this card. How do you, how what can we do to turn this to turn this story around away from like the leak happened to oh you know Microsoft found a way to kind of react to the leak 
in a in an amusing way. And it was like a it was the simplest thing that they did. It was like just like you know the the, the clever use of a of a of a uh, of a meme we've seen a million times before, but one that, that one that, that seemed to kind of hit exactly right in that moment. Yeah, it was if there's like if they have like kind of social media awards, which I'm sure they do, um, they should probably get some kind of special award for like um, you know re- like recovering in the face of adversity or something in, in double quick time because they did. They didn't end as I remember it ended up pushing the whole thing forward, right? Yeah, I, I don't know when they were originally yeah. were planning to reveal the series S, but they were like, Well, shit, we I mean it's out there, we may as well go ahead. And 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 that's the other thing. Not only did the social media people respond to it very quickly, but they brought forward it, it seemed like their whole marketing campaign and had all the official imagery ready to go right away because they didn't want the leaked imagery to be all that was out there. So shit, if the leaked image is gonna be out there, we may as well come in with everything that we've got that's actually going to make the console look good. And they did recover and they, and they got that information out there uh, really, really quickly. So good for them. Yeah. And if you remember Gary, they had like a whole little showcase already filmed and planned to be released later that week. They just straight up scrapped that and they just went straight into, Hey, let's get our communication team out there. Let's get our social media. And they just started pumping it out through the socials, which was really incredible to see because you know, they took a lot of time and, they battled through COVID and, you know, working from home and all these different situations to film all that. And then they just straight threw that in the trash and said, let's reapproach that. So great job on that side. Of course, later on, Xbox Game Studios announced that it would plan to acquire ZeniMax Studios, which is Bethesda Games. Then pre-orders went live. And man, Gary, we liked the Xbox pre-orders much better than the PlayStation pre-orders. We talked about that a lot. So we were happy about that. Uh, later on in September, the xCloud full release on Android only, which is something we'll continue to talk about. And the end of September was when media and influencers got those first review kits of the Xbox Series X. So when you really look at it, the end of September, these guys and gals had that really early before launch. Then we jump into October. We saw the Xbox Series X fridge. We saw touch controls added to xCloud Age of Empires 3. November, we had the console launch. We had EA Play joining Game Pass. Here in December, where we are now, Perfect Dark has been announced being created by the initiative, the brand new studio down there. Master Chief joined Fortnite, and that was pretty much your year of Xbox there. I think I might have missed the release of Gears Tactics back in April, but honestly and truly, that was a lot of the big bullet points that I was able to find throughout the year. And when I look back on it, man, oh man, Gary, I know 2020 has sucked for all of us with COVID-19 and you know, the horrific things that it's done to us as a human race here. But when we look at it, Xbox here has had a year on the upswing where we kind of whimpered out of that Xbox One era. And we've done a really good job hyping it up and getting excited about the Series X and Series S release. And this team has done a terrific job in the middle of a global pandemic to ensure that this console release did not get delayed, not get pushed back. We know that things got tight stock-wise, but really and honestly, They deserve some love of like, hey, we did it. We made it through. And the console launch went very, very well for them. They said it was one of the best they've ever had. Yeah, it's funny. Um, It's easy to think, perhaps because, again, we've been distracted and rightly so by like, you know, other things. We're a bigger fish to fry uh, this year. But it's easy. I I was sitting here thinking, even for a console launch year, this felt like it was a pretty quiet year. So, you know, video games in general and Xbox. But like when you when you lay it all out, when you put it all like in one little spiel as you just did in that recap, it's like oh, a bunch of shit happened. Good shit, bad shit. Like it was actually a really, really busy year. Uh, you know, um, Microsoft finally fi- finally finding a solution uh, for xCloud streaming on iOS is a big one as well. That that you know just came down 
um, in the in the past week or so. So you know, we've see, we've seen a, a lot of stuff happen. And again, I I still kind of feel like this this one was even though it technically technically was the year that the Xbox and the, you know the new consoles launched. This still kind of feels like the like the like the palette cleansing like scene setting year like this is really what tees up 2021 as the year where you know next gen like fully fully arrives again it's here and it's not here it, it is a minor miracle that any of these companies sony microsoft you name it uh managed to bring two major uh video game consoles to market all across the world with everything that requires in terms of you know, thousands of people around the world working in concert, global supply chain issues, all of that in the middle of like a, a, a killer plague is kind of nutty. And, you know, that they, that they actually managed to pull that off uh, at all. I mean, there's, there's a, if, if we were sitting in a slightly different version of reality where Microsoft and, so, and, and Xbox, sorry, Sony had come out six months ago and said, yeah, you know what, we just can't bring the new consoles to you this year. Like in, under the current situation, it's just impossible. Like you're going to have, we're going to have to delay it for a year we would have been bummed, but you kind of would have said, yeah, I mean, I understand. I mean, yeah, I mean, like you probably basically got the best excuse ever. There's a, you know, there's a killer, a killer pandemic ravaging the planet right now. Maybe, yeah, maybe we can afford to wait, you know, another year for the game console so we can do it safely, but they did find a way to do it. Like I said, life finds a way. And it was really, really impressive. I get a lot of people that, you know, are looking for, you know, reasons to be cheerful this Christmas and this year in general, because everything's been so fucking miserable those game consoles and the fact there are so many great games out there right now, I've commented a few times, there's never been a better time in history to be into video games than right now in this moment. There's just so much good shit out there. Um, artistically, uh, in you know, technologically, like the games look and sound better. I watched, Mike, 30 seconds of uh, a soccer game on my Twitter, paging through Twitter. And you know how like, the videos just autoplay you know, in, the, in the window? So it was a little thumbnail video. And it was uh, my team, Tottenham Hotspur, my, my Premier League football club, were playing against some other team. And I'm like, wait, I don't remember. When was this on? I don't remember when they played this match. I know every game they played in the last few weeks. I don't remember them, them playing this team. And I watched it for like 30 seconds trying to figure out what game I was watching. And I maximized the video. And it was fucking FIFA 21 on the Series X. Because that's where video games are now. They're at a point where they're almost indistinguishable from, from watching like the televised game on TV. So NBA 2K21 basically yeah. looks like watching NBA on TNT now, FIFA, Madden, you know, these games. You know, it's interesting. You look at something like Gears. Yeah, that looks really good. But like, you know, it's not simulating something real. But when you have like a one-on-one -on -one analog, like FIFA 21 is a great example. FIFA 21, a televised game on NBC. Honestly, it's hard to tell the difference. Like that's the level of graphical fidelity and artistry that we're achieving now. And there's just so much stuff out there. Like we all have these epically long backlogs and Nintendo Switch is just killing it. There's so much great indie stuff happening everywhere. There's just games coming out of our ears and like it's, it's we're struggling to catch up. It's, it's a problem, but it's a good problem to have just this embarrassment of riches of video games. And that's really one of the few good things that's happened in 2021, right as we needed a distraction right as we needed something to cheer us up. Along comes Animal Crossing, along comes Fall Guys, along comes you know Among Us, along comes the next-gen consoles to give us something, something to cling to, to escape from reality. Think, yeah, the world sucks, but video games will always be great. I love that, Gary. And that's one I'll always remember my dad walking in whenever I play NBA 2K and goes, oh, is the game on right now? What's <laughs> right, happening? Right? It looks good. And so I love that. Uh, I want to do two more things with our year in review, our look back on 2000. 20 slash a little bit of 19 here the big takeaways for me like you said the console launch in the middle of global pandemic has to be given some big praise and love to everybody out there that you know built the consoles that created the consoles that touched the consoles to my doorstep 
great job. Halo delayed from launch is something we will never forget. Hopefully, we'll talk about that with the Cyberpunk thing. There will be some positives out of this. The Game Pass elevation. I really want to shine a light on Game Pass of like, who would have thought over the three years our Game Pass would be where it is today and now with the games that it's offering, the partnerships that it has, the inclusion of the perks and everything included in it. Game Pass is elevated to a level that I don't think any of us knew what it would be when it was first announced, which is truly incredible. Xbox buying Bethesda is huge. The Xbox ecosystem vision actually coming to life. You can remember when Phil Spencer came out and he said, we're creating this ecosystem where the player is at the center and you make the choice, right? You can play on your PC over to your Xbox, now on your mobile phone, and your save will carry over. You can play with your friends and party up with all of them. And that was something I think when we look back five years from that, or you know, five years ago, you would have never imagined that. There was no way in heck that you would have said to yourself, oh yeah, I'm going to play all my games on a PC, then go over to Xbox, but be on my phone out there in the middle of the desert. It's really incredible to see them take this vision that they had and turn it into reality. And we're living in that right now. And it's only going to get better. Of course, the biggest downfall is when I look back on all these, there's very big, ex there's very few big, big groundbreaking Xbox titles that were released this year, right? We had a good stable of games. There were some very fun and there were some standout games, but in all honesty, right? Where was that killer app? Where was that killer game that Xbox fans want to celebrate, that want to show off? We have some good ones that people will say, but in all honesty, like we're missing that one piece throughout that year. And I think that was like the end of the Xbox One generation moving into the new one. And as we look forward now, as I have my, my notes, right? It's like 2021, here's the questions I got. Where are the games? I want the big games. I want the bad games. I want the big roadmap. I want different storage options, right? Gary, you have that expandable hard drive that you can pull in and out. That is priced way too high for somebody like me and probably many others, right? Will that come down? Will we have a two terabyte one, a three terabyte one? Where will we find in these storage options as we continue on? When will more restock come in for the consoles for best friends out there who weren't able to get that first run of them? I want to know. Will Bethesda games go fully exclusive? These are things that are on my mind, right, Gary? Of course, will Apple play nice with Microsoft and Epic Games as well? We've seen the workaround and what they're going to do going through the browser, but it's not quite the same as the experience on Android where you hit that Xbox Game Pass app and you're in and you're streaming and you're loving it. I don't want to go through a browser base. I don't want to take that turnaround. When will these two companies play nice with each other? And the final one is, when are we getting that Xbox Design Labs back? You know what I mean? I, I know we're talked about it for 2021, but I'm ready to create a controller, Gary, with these new ones here. Yeah, I've already got my uh, my color scheme in mind for when the uh, Design Lab comes. I'm sure I'm, you know, I'll, I'll, it's offline right now because you know we're, we're between generations, but hopefully we'll, we'll see it come back in 2021. And this is what I mean in general about 2021 being like the first true year of of, of next gen. Again, calendar wise, the next gen consoles came out in 2020, but 2021 is when is when the picture is really going to start to come into focus. I do think you'll 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 we'll finally get some clarity on like what the Bethesda stuff means. Will it be exclusive? I'm leaning actually leaning towards probably yes, they will. These games will be exclusive. Like, I think you know, like th there's a chance that like Fallout Five or something will get announced next year, and it'll be an Xbox exclusive or whatever the next big Elder Scrolls game is going to be. I think it makes sense for them to to push those, uh, you know, to, to, towards their own their own platforms. Again, who knows? The point is, I think we're going to find out a lot more uh, this this coming year. And I, you know, just just in general, again, like what, what is what is the X Cloud? 
um, picture look like? Are we going to get beyond a workaround? The workaround, I think, is actually pretty decent. I was reading an article the other day about Cyberpunk running um, on iOS uh, through Stadia, and it's actually pretty solid, and it's not that different from you know having the Android app. It's always nice to have the dedicated app. Whether or not we'll get that, I don't know. But again, what's interesting about this coming year is that, you know, not only in a, in a broader sense, you know, vaccines and, you know, new administration and, you know, the world is coming back to slowly to something like normal. I think we can all, you know, get excited about that. But particularly this year in terms of, of video games, I do think this is going to be uh, the year where a lot of stuff that we had been on the cusp of for a long time, like cloud streaming, feels like it's all, it feels like it's kind of here, but it's not quite, but it's so close. Next gen is kind of here. It's not quite, but it's so close. There's a bunch of stuff that I think is going to fully, fully kind of come into uh, sharper focus and more clarity into it. We'll have a much better sense when we're doing this, hopefully again, a year from now, Mike, of what the next generation is really shaping up to look like. Because right now it's still so nascent. It's kind of, it's kind of hard to tell. Yeah. And one thing I want to end with now is looking at games with gold. Actually, this was brought to me by an incredible kind of funny best friend who also did the PlayStation Plus games for Greg and Blessing over on PS. I love you XOXO. And I thought you and I could really just highlight this really fast. So thank you to Joseph2411 on Twitter, sending me this incredible in-depth games with gold breakdown. This is every single month, every single game. He has the Metacritic score. He has the price tags. He has the overall price. And so just some big ones to highlight here. The service had 49 games in 2020, an increase of one game due to Knights of Pen and Paper bundle in April. The average Metacritic score remained unchanged with 75, but the MSRP value did decrease by $113, about 9% since last year. January was the worst, mo worst month in terms of value with $64.96. April was the best month in terms of value with $132, followed by February and May tied with $119. March and July tied for third with $94. February was the worst month in terms of Metacritic average with 6.3. November was the best month in terms of Metacritic average on 80.7. Gary, you know, Games with Gold is truly incredible, right? You and I and everybody out there that has this service, you get these games, you download them. You can always have them in your library. They're always ready for you to download and play. But as we move into a Game Pass world, we've had this conversation before. Does Games with Gold get sidelined and kind of morph into Game Pass? Do they go away forever? Do you love Games with Gold? You know, this is an incredible breakdown, and I'm going to retweet it so all of you can look at it throughout the weekend. And a big shout-out to the Kind of Funny Best Friend one more time. Thank you again, Joseph, for creating this. And it's really something special. But Gary, what is your stance as we look at this in review of the year for Xbox Games with Gold? Yeah, my, my main takeaway from that as you were talking about the stuff that's on Games with Gold is like, oh, yeah, I forgot that Games with Gold is a thing. I should go check that out. Like, I forgot that it exists. There's, I mean, there, you know, there's a bunch of different ways to get games on your Xbox you know, from the digital storefront and, and save, save money on them, right? You know, there's, there's obviously Game Pass is the big one. One subscription, you get a bunch of games essentially you know, for free once you paid that monthly subscription. Um, and then, you know, EA Play has all these deals now on EA games. It's baked into the Game Pass offering. And then there's Games with Gold thing, which is tied to Xbox Live Gold, which is starting to feel like kind of legacy. It's like Game Pass feels like the new stuff and, and Live and, and Xbox Live Gold starts to feel like, like you know, that, that shit goes back to the original Xbox. It's starting to kind of show its age a little bit in terms of 
like how it's branded and and whether it represents the past or the future of Xbox. And plus, it's just confusing. There's too many offerings. Like I got confused the other day. I get, I handed down my old my old PlayStation Four to it to a family friend, and I was I was wanted to get him a gift card. And I was like, well, do I get the PlayStation now or PlayStation Plus? And I was like, what's the fucking difference? I was getting confused about the different offerings. Uh, in terms of this gets you free games, this gets you cheap games, this gets you this, this doesn't. It's like it's really confusing. They need to simplify, and I think the tr- I think the same thing is true. We talked about this before. Um, consolidating that offering, like Game Pass, is the thing, right? Game Pass Ultimate is the big super duper thing. I would like to see them take games with gold and anything else they're doing in terms of getting games for cheap, for free, any kind of value offering, bundling it all into one thing, one subscription to rule them all. So Game Pass Ultimate now, I get games on, I get extra, you know, a big, a big Netflix type selection of Xbox games every every month. Uh, same on Windows PC, uh, X Cloud streaming as well, and throw in the discounts on like here's some of the here, like here's for example like say, um, we keep using Cyberpunk because it's the game everyone thinks of when they think about big games right now. It's like, okay, so you want so okay, Cyberpunk's not in Game Pass, but you can get ten bucks off with games with gold or whatever, and that's also thrown into. Like the Game Pass subscription gets you all of that. The streaming, the massive library of Netflix type games, and then maybe other games that don't quite fall into that Game Pass section. You can then maybe there's a bunch of games that you can still save, you know, 10, 20% off. And that's that's just all included. And you don't need all these different brand identities. It's just one thing. Like just one one subscription, you don't have to, you know, worry about anything else. So I'd like I would like to see them just consolidate it and simplify it going forward. Cause I like I forgot that I should go look at it after I'm done with you. I'm gonna go look to see what's going on with games. Because I, when I go to the store, I don't even look at that stuff, but maybe I should. Well, all of our viewers out there, make sure you take advantage of that, right? Because they are giving you these games with gold. You should have them in your library. Just, in, you know, hit the take button. You don't even have to download them and install them. Just make sure you have them in your, your hard drive just in case. But Gary, that was the 2019 and 2020 wrap-up of Xbox. It's been a really fun year. Thanks for riding with me. I'm going to give you the final choice here. I have three things for a heads up segment, but for that, we can talk a little bit about cyberpunk and what's going on right now with refunds and, you know, a lot of yellow and black text coming at you. Do you want to spend a little bit of time talking about cyberpunk? I mean, we should, because it's, you know, it's affecting you know, the, 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 the console gamers, the Xbox gamers and the PlayStation gamers are the ones who are mostly affected by this. PC gamers are more immune to this. It's still not a perfect game over on PC, but you can actually like play Cyberpunk and mostly enjoy it on PC right now. That was the lead platform. Um and it is the, and it, but it is the biggest story. If you're if you're on PlayStation or Xbox, it's the biggest story in games right now. I've said this before, I take no pleasure in it, but I I've been I've been joking around for a while on kind of funny games daily. Every time there was another big Night City wire or another big cyberpunk like hype drop. I was. I used to joke around, Greg. Can you imagine after all this, like, what if the game comes out and it's like not? It's you disappointing. Just had like, to put it out there in the universe. Yeah, yeah. Barrett, had you to could say it in my face. Like, yeah, yeah, the the thing is, and Barrett, you you might remember this, like, because you might have been there, like, like right after I said it, it was like, yeah, but of course that's because like, that's not going to happen. Witcher three, see <laughs> Frederick Red, like, we we all know it's going to be a banger, right? Like, they they can't fuck this up, and yet, and yet, they managed <laughs> to fuck it up in the most spectacular fashion. And in a way that was completely foreseeable and completely avoidable, they really, really shot themselves in the foot. Like it's a meme, Mike. It's turned into a goddamn meme. People are people are now posting apologies, like generic apologies. Oh, I'm sorry, I ate you know the last cookie or whatever in the in the yellow and black text <laughs> format. Like it's just become like yellow and black text has become now the generic visual language for an apology, right? Like that's I mean that's that's where this in and this 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 all happened 
in just over a week. The game came out barely over a week ago. How quickly, how quickly the narrative changes. It's particularly, uh, Mike, obviously a story for us to talk about on the Xcast right now today because there's an Xbox component that's now making news, right? It went from Cyberpunk uh, CD Projekt issuing the apology to this kind of vague promise of a refund that kind of backed, backfired because Sony were like, wait, we didn't say anything about a refund. You should kind of check with us first. Um, to then the big, big news, Sony taking it off the store and issuing blanket refunds. That, of course, immediately prompted the question, will Microsoft now follow suit? Because the Xbox One base version is just as broken as the PS4. Um, interested to hear your take on it, Mike. But like they, you know, Microsoft have not taken it off the store yet, but they are now, as of today, this is the news that broke today, offering that same blanket refund. Uh, policy. And I've seen a lot of video game comments. I've been around for a long time, but I've seen a lot of other people this week saying, we've been around for a long time, never seen a situation like this. It's crazy. It's crazy. Gary, this is wild to end the year and head into the holiday season where if we rewind just like two weeks ago, we were all ecstatic about this. We were very excited to see what CD Projekt Red had finally created after multiple delays and knowing that, you know, hey, we're coming hot off The Witcher 3. This team has a lot of goodwill behind them, and everybody thinks that this is going to be like, you know, the game of the year. This could be the game of the future, right? And to see that all come to a crashing halt is a lot of emotions in me, right? It's like, you know, it's laughable about the memes, but then I think of the developers and everybody that put in so many time, so much time, effort, and hours, and I, I get down about that. And then I think about the people up at top, and I, I have questions like, how did could you do this? How did you? Why did you hide this? If you knew it wasn't going to be good, why didn't we delay it some more? Why didn't we come out in front of it? And it's just this weird grab bag of emotions, right, Gary? And I think the worst problem for me is, is now we head out and we look at this and go, this game was supposed to be on the last generation, the Xbox Ones and PS4 consoles originally, right? It was planned for that. So where did the oversight go from us going, we're going to plan for these consoles to delay, delay, delay. Now we're looking at the next generation with this release that happened this month. And into now of like, oh my gosh, you those consoles don't even work. Like what happened there? Because I look at it as where's the money at? Where's the player base? And it's on the older generation consoles, right? The player base install numbers are way bigger on the older generation consoles. And that's where we got to make sure it at least works at some sort of baseline, Gary. And for us to come out there and it not work at all and people be posting memes and crazy videos of glitches and the games blowing up. You're hearing the horror stories of games crashing left and right. It's like, what happened here? And who was at the top that made this decision? Because I feel bad for the developers, the guys and gals on the front line who are working there tirelessly, right? We heard about crunch. We've talked about crunch in many different game situations. And crunch is something that happens in this industry a lot, it seems like. And nobody's ever got a good handle on it. And now I feel bad because when you and I were supposed to go into holiday season and know that these developers... We're supposed to be given high fives virtually and go home to their family and friends and say, man, we did it. We're going to celebrate and we're going to go into the holidays relaxing. Now I feel like, oh man, like this team is not only going to be embarrassed and feel bad about themselves, but I know you and I both know, and Barrett knows his hard workers, right? There's going to be a number of those guys and gals that will not be enjoying the holidays. They'll be going right back to their desk to work as hard as they can to fix this problem because nobody wants to leave this unsaid and leave this untouched. And it hurts a lot, Gary. I, I feel for them right now. I mean, I've, I, you know, it's I, I have tremendous sympathy for for all the PlayStation and Xbox um, um, players who bought it and and got what they got. 
a, a game that is man, you know, on the base systems of, of which there is, like you said, there is a massive, massive installed base out there, fundamentally not a viable product. Like how it shipped, and there's a there's a broader discussion about how this even got past Microsoft and Sony certification because anyone can see it's not viable on those base consoles. It's just not. And so I feel bad for people that you know bought a game that like shattered their. You know, again, this wasn't a game like, oh, let's see if it's any good. Like, people were really fucking hyped for this game. And this is what they got. Like, what an awful, awful come down and what a disappointment for so many gamers. It's really my heart. And I made a social post about this yesterday. And I saw a lot of other people, observers in the video game industry, commenting the same thing that they, like you said, Mike, the heart goes out to the developers who worked for the better part of a decade to make the best possible game they could and got a lump of coal in their stocking at the last minute because someone up you know, on the executive floor decided, no, we, for whatever reason, we got to ship this now. Even though, this, is what, this is what comes back to me again, Mike, again and again. I really, I honestly would not have bet anything on this happening. I get a better version of where maybe the game comes out and it's just good but not great, but it's got some issues or whatever. It's basically, a, you know, it, it, it's not a broken game, just not as good as people thought it was going to be. I was willing to like maybe bet on that a little bit i would not have bet on what actually happened which is in in many ways mike more frustrating when a game like say anthem comes out right which was just a bad game that it kind of felt like there was no coherent vision they didn't kind of know what game they were making it didn't really work no one was satisfied like we have the tools to to to, to handle our reactions to that right because bad games come out all the time heavily hyped games come out all the time and they're not as good as you want them to be i understand that and it's sad, but like I know how to deal with it emotionally. Like that, yeah, that game wasn't as good as I want it to be. Disappointment, fairly standard, um, you know, emotional reaction to process. But when you get something like Cyberpunk, where it's very clear, again, especially if you're playing over on the PC side, that there is a great game in there, right? The devs actually succeed. Again, there's issues, uh, but they made what is what fundamentally looks like a really, really great game. But but when you so when you know there's a great game in there but you can't get to it because it's broken and the other compromises have been made that are stopping you. It's like the greatness is just out of reach. You, it's, oh man, that, I know this great game is here. I just can't quite reach it. That's way more frustrating, and that's way more emotionally like difficult to do. It's, oh man, this game is so good, and it can be so good. It's just not now because they fucked it up at the last minute. And Mike, it makes no sense. This is the other reason why people are so baffled. CD Projekt Red is a company that has built over the years such a stellar reputation for being, you know, customer friendly, gamer friendly, transparency, they make great games, you know, they they admit when they make a mistake, they make things right, there's a lot of communication, really really a model for like how these big AAA gaming companies should be doing business and interacting with their customers. And so this is the last company in the I'd expect this from EA or Activision or Ubisoft, but not these guys, like these are supposed to be these are supposed to be the good guys. And yet somebody, and this is the, the, when you come down to the nitty gritty, someone at the, on the executive penthouse floor of CD Projekt looked at that game running on a base console and said, let's ship that. And, and, and apparently didn't think this was going to happen. Like that's either gross incompetence or negligence or stupidity or recklessness. I don't know. But it's like, why, what, why not just wait? Why didn't they look at it and make the same decision that Phil Spencer and Bonnie Russ and the people at the head of Halo made when they looked at Halo Infinite and said, you know what, this just ain't ready. And it's going to hurt us immensely if we ship this early. We have to, like, whatever, whatever hit we're going to take from delaying it, better that than shipping this early because this is our flagship. And Cyberpunk has turned into CD Projekt Red's flagship over the last 10 years. And I, 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 I just don't understand why was it so important, especially after you delayed it, 
you know, the messaging out of CD Projekt for the longest time was, it's not ready, it's not ready. We want to ship it when it's in the best possible shape. So we're going to push it again. We're going to push it again. And every time it happens, people are disappointed. And yeah, they get a lot of shit from gamers, but it would, everyone basically agreed it was the right thing to do. Like, we'd rather wait and play the best version of the game. What was it about this build, about this date, they were like, yeah, we're going to ship that. After all the promises of delays and wait, taking the time to get it right, we're going to ship a we're going to ship a broken game that is fundamentally just not viable on the vast majority of systems that we've shipped it on the base PlayStation Four and the Xbox One. It's just it's just not playable. It's just a mess. I just don't understand what they thought was going to happen. They either didn't see this coming, in which case. I, I don't even know what to tell you about the level of competence. Like any anyone could have looked at that build and said, for God's sake, don't ship that. That is going to come back on you so hard. Or they didn't care or kind of felt like there was some worse scenario that we're having. It's like, yeah, this is going to be terrible, but if we don't ship it, it's going to be even worse. What the worst scenario is that's worse than what they currently now have, I can't even imagine what that would be. Like the end of the world, maybe? I don't know. But like what they, this is the worst case scenario for what they shipped. This flagship game that everyone was so excited about, and which, by the way, I still believe three, six, nine months from now will be a great game. They will fix it. They will get it right. Maybe not on base consoles, um, but they will get it to a point where it's it's good and viable, and hopefully they'll have some kind of No Man's Sky type redemption narrative. But right now, you're right. From the point of view of those developers, my heart goes out to them because they worked so hard to make something great, and it could have been something great. But for whatever reason, they had to ship it early, and they were forced to put out something that they knew they knew wasn't really reflective of what they were capable of capable of making as a company. And it's heartbreaking. It's embarrassing to lump this game in, like you said. There's an incredible game inside of this mess and this fiasco that we're living in right now. To lump it in with a what you see online, Fallout 76, Anthem, and all these other broken games. And you're like, hold up. That was not what we were promised. And that was not the vision here that I'm sure so many people on the gamer side, on the development team side, and even the people up at the top, they didn't envision that happening. And like you said, this is some sort of scary nightmare. Thankfully, you know, Cyberpunk came out with one of the craziest tweets of like, oh yeah, you can get refunds. Or like, if it doesn't work with them, just email or just random email. It's like, this is crazy stuff. So Thankfully, Sony and Xbox have both come out and been like, hey, hold up a minute. We're going to make sure everything is gets, gets right here. And people need to understand, I know a lot of us want to say, hey, we got to draw the line and we got to get this on only next-gen consoles. That's all well and good, but we are less than a month, pretty much a month since launch of this brand new console. The install base is still behind us. Your friends and family members are still on those older consoles. We cannot in good conscience draw the line, especially when... This is a business of making money. Just say, oh, yeah, we're not going to release over there. It's not, there's not enough player base to do that. It's not worth it in the long run for this. So I think the next question you and I have to bring up is, will this happen in Halo Infinite? We've delayed it a full year now. You saw it like you talked about before. Microsoft maybe felt the writing on the wall, maybe didn't want to get put into this corner here where CD Projekt Red is right now. But when we hit holidays 2021, are you and I going to have this conversation again where it's, hey, we got to cut off the older generations? Will we have more consoles out in the wild that can justify a larger player in base? Or will we stick to the future of like, hey, this is the ecosystem. We want to ensure our players will be able to be covered if they can't buy a new console, if they can't find a new console for one to two, maybe three years on these cross-generation games. Will Halo Infinite for our Xbox users be that next one where we have to have this talk? 
Yeah, I think actually, just, just as a side note, I actually think in a weird way it's good for Halo in that um, having seen this, having seen this this cyberpunk drama playing out right now, everyone at Halo, everyone at Microsoft and Phil Spencer down is looking at this cyberpunk drama and going, "This is what could have happened to us. This is what this is what could happen to us. This is how bad it can get if you ship a major, major flagship anticipated game, and it's not as good as as it could be." Uh, and again, across multiple platforms, because you know the older Xbox, you know the, the, the Halo Infinite needs to run on the on the current on the older gen platforms as well. In terms of cyberpunk, I don't know if this could have been avoided, and I don't understand like the the economics or the financial situation over at CD Projekt. But like in an ideal world, in an ideal world, if 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 economics weren't the concern, and of course they're always the concern, but just set just that set that aside for the sake of argument. This game was in development for so long that an entire generation of consoles came and went, right? And that can be hard because the hardware target that you're trying to hit is constantly changing. Oh well, now this is the high end, and now these con- and now these older consoles are going away, and the installed base is leaning more towards this than that. And it's like, you know, weirdly, the current gen was split for the first time into this, you know, half and half generation of the one on the one X and the PS4 and the Pro, two different levels of hardware performance. And by all accounts, Cyberpunk runs better on those not still not great but on the one x of the ps4 pro it's at least close to playable in a way that on the base consoles it isn't but like i know so many there's so many people still out there with a regular old xbox one or a one s or a, or a base playstation 4 that's still a massive massive install base so many people went and bought that game i don't have it here i, I, I moved it into the box room, but you saw that massive cyberpunk thing they shipped me like this huge huge box like the small it's the size of a small shed that's got you know this ps4 version of cyberpunk in it they went all out i think what happened was they just got they, the timing didn't work out for them the game the game basically again took so long that a whole gen- hard generation of hardware came and went that the the the, the, the hardware target kind of moved what i would have done if i didn't care about the money is say let's just hold it let's wait a year and let's scrap the place let's scrap the playstation 4 and uh, Xbox One versions of this entirely, including Pro and One X, and and ship this as a true next generation title. If anything, if any game has a remit to launch on futuristic, forward looking hardware, it's Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Right, that everything about that like just smells like a next gen game that you want to be playing on next gen hardware. If you've got a high end PC, you already have that next gen hardware. But I would have waited and and, and got all into guys. This is a next gen game. We don't want to compromise. Sorry, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One players, but this is just not for you. We want to make the best game possible. And the way to do that is to go hard, hard in on targeting the next-gen uh, install base and the next-gen hardware. And again, may- maybe wait a year. Maybe have it, be a, have it be the holiday game for 2021 instead of 2020. There'll be more consoles out there, more of a mature base. Maybe you sell fewer copies. Maybe you sell fewer copies. Maybe you don't make as much money. But I guarantee you that situation would not have been as bad as what they're looking at right now. With their stock price in the tank, with all of the goodwill and the reputation they've spent years building up on their current customer base, it's going to take years for them to scrape that back, Mike. Like that, that, this kind of fuck up when people's trust feels betrayed like this. People really, really believed in that company. And they have a really, really, really loyal and rabid fan base. People on Twitter are still defending them. Even after they've been slapped in the face, they're still saying, oh, but I love this company. Even after they slapped me in the face. It takes a long time to build up that kind of consumer loyalty and goodwill, but you could piss it all away in a day. And that's what they did. And it's really, really tragic. And I feel so bad for almost everyone at CD Projekt who put so much hard work into this game. The only people I don't feel bad for are whoever is responsible 
for making this decision because the mind just absolutely boggles. Maybe, maybe there's some reason that has not yet been revealed why it had to ship on December 10th because they must have known. I just keep going. They knew what they were shipping. They knew how fundamentally broken no, it was. They, on they, the they said they weren't the paying enough attention to it. That, that, that's, uh, that's, that's unforgivable as well, Barrett. That's <laughs> unforgivable. It's a dumb excuse. It's a dumb if you if you if you fucked up at your job, Barrett, and Greg came to you, or your Mike, your boss came to you at your at your place of work and said, "Mike, a uh, hundred people just died on a fucking ski lift because you could, what happened?" You go, "Oh, sorry, I wasn't paying attention." He's like, "Oh, well, that's all right then, as long as you've got an excuse." Come on, that someone's going to buy that bullshit. We weren't we weren't paying attention. It's the worst excuse. So you're being negligent, which like. They totally lied about it. That's like totally a fault. Like, the, the they knew is, how bad that version looked. <laughs> they knew because, as we know, you weren't allowed to show that footage, right? It's like when you review yeah. the game, you've got to, you've got to use the footage we provide well, you. It's not even that. It was like they, people weren't even getting console code, so it was like they knew right, yeah. that the the console versions looked bad because, and they didn't show them because of that. Um, and yeah, like it was it was bad when um, you, the PC codes went out. Um, and people weren't allowed to use their own footage, which is like a ridiculous uh, embargo. It's, it's, ridiculous. It's, it's, it's outrageous. Um, and, you know, they're making some of the right moves now after the fact, this most recent thing saying, we'll refund you out of our own pocket if we have to. There's, mm -hmm. you know, some of the old consumer-friendly CD, CD project stuff is, is rearing its head again because they have to, right? They know they have such a deep and such a deep hole to dig themselves out. They need, they need a really, really big and very consumer-friendly mm. shovel to dig themselves out of that hole. I just keep coming back to this same point, and I'm beating a dead horse. So many people have said it. This was all avoidable. Mm. This didn't have to happen. They brought this all on themselves, and it's one of the great... It will go down in history as one of the great unforced errors in the history of video games. It's a wild one, and we could talk until the cows come home, and I have so much more to share, and this is one where we're going to talk about it more, right? If... The X-Cast does continue into 2021, and of course on Kind of Funny Games Daily and all your Kind of Funny content, all your gaming content, people are going to continue to talk about Cyberpunk. So we might put a pin in it here, but just know this conversation is far from over and everything that just happened. It's, it's truly wild to think about, and we're living in the middle of this, right? We are not through this storm at all, but we got to get out of here right away and go celebrate the holidays. So two quick heads up for all of our best friends out there. Number one. We have an awesome giveaway with Xbox. You can go out there and win two custom-designed Xbox One controllers for Disney Plus and the series The Mandalorian. So quickly, to celebrate the finale of The Mandalorian Season 2 on Disney Plus, Xbox teamed up with Lucas Games to create two new epic Mandalorian-themed Xbox wireless controllers, giving Star Wars fans and gamers alike the chance to win a set of the exclusive Galactic Designs, the custom controllers feature sketches of the now iconic child wielding the force and the steely Mandalorian's Beskar armor, armored profile. Both designs have a pop of color, what we're affectionately calling Tatooine Tangerine, killer name for the child, and Python Turquoise for the Mandalorian. From December 17th to 28th, fans who are 18 plus that reside in the United States who follow Xbox can retweet the Xbox sweepstakes tweet with hashtag the Mandalorian Xbox sweepstakes for a chance to win the two not for sale limited edition controllers in an exclusive Star Wars themed mailer. This is incredible. The controllers are incredible. Greg Miller put out a tweet about getting these controllers. You got to go check them out. They're, they're beautiful. Then on top of that, 
We have something that's near and dear to my heart. I think Barrett's going to love it. I know Gary is going to love it coming from his Hollywood sign. We have Xbox, LeBron James, and Bugs Bunny and Space Jam teaming up together for a very fun one here. This is coming from the Xbox Wire. LeBron James, Bugs Bunny, and Xbox invite fans to create a Space Jam, a new legacy video game. Microsoft and Space Jam, a new legacy, are coming together for an epic partnership in the lead-up to the film's release in 2021. In celebration of the new movie, Xbox, Bugs Bunny, and LeBron James are teaming up to help you create an original arcade-style video game inspired by the new movie. Just announced on social, we're on the hunt for the best fan-submitted video game ideas. The loonier, the better. Starting December 14th through December 30th, fans, uh, fans ages 14 and up will be able to submit their game ideas they think will be a slam dunk at the official contest website. All you have to do is review the official rules, select the gaming genre of your choosing using a key image, and describe your game idea in less than 500 words. The cool part here is I really want to highlight two lucky winners will have their ideas brought to life in the official Space Jam, a new legacy arcade-style video game, available as the newest perk for the Xbox Game Pass Ultimate members in 2021. Winners will also receive the following prizes, their names featured in the game's credits, an exclusive winner's bundle with signed and authenticated LeBron James memorabilia, Space Jam, a new legacy merchandise, and Nike VIP packs, and a personalized Xbox Series S console. The biggest one, a family, a private friends and family screening of the film, and virtual Microsoft coding workshops from their, for their local community. To help coders of all ages jumpstart their creativity, Microsoft stores are hosting free, one-of-a-kind Space Jam, a new legacy-themed virtual workshops on the video game creation. Students will build a playable prototype of a video game using block-based coding on the Make Code Arcade platform, all while learning the professional skills and, st and STEM careers that involved in game design. So that was one I really wanted to highlight. Of course, I'm a big Looney Tunes fan, and I love Space Jam and LeBron James, but I think it's really cool that Microsoft is getting involved in the communities, helping kids, adults, kids in college learn how to code and create games. I thought that was really something special to highlight. Barrett, yay or nay on Space Jam? I don't know which way Barrett's going to go on this. I'm worried because he just took a deep breath and it's like LeBron yeah. James, it's funny Space Barrett, Jam. Barrett's, this be Barrett's a, a hard one to pin down. Like, I feel like I know Barrett, like his taste fairly well, just from, you know, my association with him over the years on mm -hmm. kind of funny. But like, if you put me on the spot right now and say, Barrett, Space Jam, thumbs up, thumbs down. I honestly, I feel like it could go either way. I mean, really genuinely need to hear what he says. I rewatched it a year ago and I really wish I hadn't. Is, is that's what I, I've heard that it does not hold up no it I doesn't heard. and it's like I because I, I loved that movie as a kid I loved it um, yeah but yeah watching it it's just like oh wow there's a, a lot of choices in this movie and it's like barely a through line like in the story it's just it's it's a fascinating movie to watch today but i wish i hadn't gone back to it. i wish I yeah just i mean it was, what, it, was it was one of those looking back at it with rose tinted glasses it was one of those movies it was conceived over lunch you know at some hollywood restaurant <laughs> oh this would be great like let's call let's get let's get michael jordan's agent on the phone and it all comes together very quickly the agents kind of smell the money in the water and yeah it's been very successful and we still talk about it fondly to this day i'm excited they're making a new one i think it's like every chance a new one will be good yeah, and I think LeBron James as an actor is really fun to watch. If you've seen him in Trainwreck, and he's been in a couple others. He actually yeah, has he's solid. Stops. He's fun, he's solid, and he's a likable guy. So I wanted to highlight those two for all of our best friends out there. This 
will conclude the Kind of Funny X-Cast episode 22, the finale of our 2020 run. Thank you all so much for your continued love, support, and viewership. We really appreciate it. And of course, will we return in 2021? We're going to find out very, very soon. But of course, thank you all so much for tuning in. On behalf of Gary Witta and my guy, Barrett Courtney, working in the booth. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Happy holidays. Stay safe and play a bunch of games. We'll see you next time, everybody. Have a good one.